Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. You are listening to Any Given Sunday, a part of the Dead End Podcast Network. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and all other podcasting services. Please make sure you check out Dead End Hip Hop, Dead End Sports, Dead End Gaming, Is the Mic Still On, Chris Platt's Strictly Hip Hop and Hoops Talk, and a host of other shows on our podcast network. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Yo, welcome back to Any Given Sunday, the Tuesday edition. I'm getting used to these Tuesday shows. For Tuesday, May 19th, 2020, I'm your host, Manny Brown. What's up, everybody? Got a got a round table with me today. Uh, got some of my guys from uh, the Dead End family, the Brandis Brolic. Uh, first and foremost, got my man Kyle, 12 Kyle from the 12 Kyle Podcast, back with us. And what then up, we got what two. What's good, what's good? We got, and then we got two first-time guests on the show. Um, my man Nick, host of the No Disrespect podcast, co-host of Dead End Sports, and my man uh, Shelton J, first time on the show as well, host of the Black Career podcast. What's good, everybody? Man, Welcome to doing, the show. Man? Thanks, man. On? Thanks for having me. What's going on? Man, Glad man. to be here, man. For Thank sure, y'all. Sure. Thank y'all for being on, man. I appreciate y'all for the first time. Uh, for the first timers, man. Welcome. 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 All right, hey, you say in the building. We we here. <laughs> so what's good everybody man i mean uh we we, we kind of had a great conversation offline uh we won't bore y'all with the details of it man but uh as always i like to uh i like to start every show off talking about our current condition you know the covid19 How, how's uh how's life in in, in uh, covid19 america treating y'all oh man i'm i'm just living day by day trying to get through it but I, I will say this for me, man, it's good because I ain't spending no money right now. So <laughs> as long as the money keeps growing That's like true. this, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, we're not spending no gas. We ain't spending no money on nothing. So everybody should be saving right now. That's true. So that is very true. That's how, the positive how's, how's this, from it. How's this treating you, man? Uh, it's going pretty good, man. No, no complaints. I mean, because nobody wants to hear you complain anyway. Uh, honestly, I'm very blessed. Uh, because, you know, both me and my wife, we're able, our jobs have us working from home and the kids are here. Uh, you know, they, well, actually, my kids just finished school this past Friday. So everybody's okay. done with school. And um, my oldest son, he's he's home from college. So he's done with his classes. So it's been cool, man. It's we we have, you know, we have a big enough house where everybody has their space. And, you know, if I get <laughs> if I get mad, I can always go sit on the deck and just chill in the backyard. But, um, <laughs> you know, just to get away from them. But it's, it's been, it's been good, man. I think the biggest thing I've just tried to do is something I heard uh, someone say, stay safe, stay sanitized yeah. and stay sane. 
Yeah. Those are the three nice. things you got to do. So yeah. that's all that's I'm Marine. doing. That's Marine. That's Marine Churchman. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. You already know. Uh, you already know. Family wise, yeah. family wise, everybody safe. Everybody healthy. Everybody doing all right. Yeah, they good. Yeah, 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 man. Everybody's good. Everybody. For me, I'm just. When we do go out in public, we do have a mask. Yeah, I'm getting used to the mask. I got, I leave one in my car just in case. And sometimes I'll be forgetting. But outside of that, just this quarantine stuff, it's cool. Some days I do feel like remember off of Major Payne when Damon Wayans he got fired and stuff. He was in his apartment. He was going crazy. Some days I do feel like that. Damn, they're about to eat a rat, but. Mm-hmm. Nah, it's it's good. It's good to get get away sometimes. I think we all asked for this in a way, and we kind of got it. It's, it's not in the way we wanted it, but it, we got it. As far as like just time to yourself to reevaluate, reflect, all that. Yeah, man, absolutely, absolutely. I think I thought we, we yeah we, same here, man. Same here. We're all. I think it only hits me on the weekends when I'm like, damn, I wish I you know wish something was going on. I wish I could do this. Or I wish I could do that. But during the you week, know what I mean, it is, man. Really, what you know it? what it is, Manny? It's 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 not so much as that you can't go out. It's it's knowing the fact that you can't go out. You know what I'm saying? And, it, yeah, there's the a difference. You know, yeah, you know, exactly. It's, yeah, it's you know because there are weekends I'm sure where you're like, man, I ain't doing that. I'm just gonna chill this weekend. Right. You know, but the weekends yeah. hit kind of different if you've been working from home. So there's really no you know like <laughs> relief as yeah. in like when you log off at five o'clock. It's like. Ah, I feel relieved now. Just going to the kitchen, you know what I'm saying? Like you're not coming home from work, but it's 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 just knowing that you know you can't go out and you you're wherein before you had the the options to do whatever you wanted to do, and we all live in cities where you know there's a lot of stuff going on, and you want to be involved, especially as the as, as the weather is changing. But um, that's what it is, man. But just it's. I can tell you guys it's it's not going to last as long as we probably think it is. But I think the biggest thing is what we do on the other side is what's important. Right. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and I, my, my biggest thing is, man, honestly, like if this if, if even if this is long term by long term, I mean, like the next few months or whatever, as long as people are staying safe and healthy, yeah. that's the that's my biggest thing, man. I mean. It sucks. You know, it's coming in the heels of summer and, and whatnot. And, and yeah, of course, we all want to do. You know, we all want to do our own things when it comes to the summertime and go out and enjoy ourselves. But at the end of the day, man, people are not healthy. People are not safe. People are putting themselves at risk, you know, and not even themselves, but other people at risk, your family members, exactly. et cetera. Then, yeah, what's what's it really what's it really worth? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I'm just I'm just hoping whatever happens with this, it's just we're, we're staying healthy. We're staying safe. And that's the most important thing, man. So I'm, I'm glad y'all fellas is doing all right. Y'all staying safe. That's the that's the most important thing. I asked that because I had a guest on a couple weeks ago. You know, we were doing the show, chopping it up. And, you know, we did the show on a Tuesday and then he lost his grandfather. What, Friday mm-hmm. so from wow. COVID? You know what I mean? It just damn. and it just like that really hit me like, damn, like we just sitting here chopping it up, talking about football. And then a couple weeks, couple days later, like not even, you know, loses his grandfather. Like that's just it's just crazy, man. It's real, man. It's hitting a lot of people in a lot of different ways. So. You know, um, you know, just be safe out there, everybody. Please, 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 please be safe. You know, I say that every every episode, every podcast. Just say that again, man. Please be safe. Go make smart decisions. If you leave the house, you're going into crowded areas. Just wear a mask, all that good stuff. Just make sure you're you're taking the precautionary steps. Man, all they Yes, sir. I don't know who that was. Somebody agreed. <laughs> 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 Nick, what you no doing problem. over there, man? I just got my tech. I just got all my tech stuff fixed. I was messed up for a little minute, but I'm good now. 
That's all Siri good. Over there cussing him out. He doing something. <laughs> <laughs> yo, Siri be listening though. Siri be listening. I know, yo, right? I swear. <laughs> Siri be listening. I don't think Siri ain't listening. So listen to Siri be Siri's a fat right now, yo. Mm-hmm. But um sure. and Alexa. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, like all of them, man. All of them. <laughs> or Tana, all of them. All of them ladies is listening, bro. But uh, but the reason we're here today is to celebrate the culmination of uh the last dance. The last two episodes aired uh this past Sunday. Uh, so I figured I'd get y'all fellas' opinions on the episode on the two episodes that we saw Sunday night and and the documentary as a whole. Um, so first things first, I, I'll go around the room. I'll start with Kyle. Um, what were your thoughts on Sunday night's episodes? Man, I thought it was I thought it was incredible, man. I thought that they really, really brought it home, you know, closing it out with the, uh, you know, uh, everything that we saw as far as like that final year. Um, I was telling somebody earlier what this documentary did was it, it, it brought context because it's one thing to try to explain Michael Jordan and who he was and that whole era. But, you know, and it's another thing to give someone a YouTube clip but this actually put you into it and being someone who grew up in that era, who grew up a Jordan fan. Um, I thought it was incredible, man. I think one of the biggest things that I took away from just the entire thing was uh, access because we never had this kind of access to Jordan. Jordan didn't yeah. let us in. And, and, and that's the thing that I think I want to kind of impress upon people, particularly those who are a lot younger than me is that, we didn't have, because there was no internet, there was no Instagram, there was no Twitter or anything like that. We didn't have access to our stars and he was the biggest star. And he, he was, he's very, very private, even though we got a chance to see a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. I mean, for a perfect example, like all of the scenes that you saw in this documentary of Jordan sitting in a house, that's not even his house. Like none of this was yeah. filmed in his, any of his houses his wife doesn't appear on here. His kids, you know, his older kids do, but his younger kids, I, he's got twins, I think. They're yeah, relatively yeah, young. But he's, he's very, very private. And, you know, we got a chance to get in. So I think that's the thing that one of the major things I took away from this documentary was that we had access. The fact that the NBA had this behind the scenes stuff and they were able to kind of toggle back and forth between this championship season and his earlier career, I thought was great. But um, they really, really brought it home, man. I mean, the from everything from, uh, you know, Steve Kerr. And I, and I I knew the story about Steve Kerr's dad, but I had never heard it in that context because Steve yeah. really didn't talk about it a lot. And I do remember it being a story, I think, back in the day when he was at Arizona. He was at the free throw line and some kids were yelling, Beirut, Beirut, Beirut. Like, I mean, they're just being really, really nasty because that's where his dad was assassinated at. But um, you know, bringing that all together, and and from that to, I man, I had actually forgotten that Rodman went to wrestle after, like in between practices. <laughs> and I was, I'm watching that, and I'm like, damn, and and I mean, but that just goes to show you, like, we just didn't have that kind of access to, you know, our sports figures. So I didn't know. So just imagine somebody during the NBA Finals. Imagine Draymond Green going to wrestle. For after practice, so I mean, and that that made the news, but it really didn't make the news. So I mean, like I was in watching this, even being a fan, I was able to, you know, be reminded of some things, and I learned a lot about you know the man who's been you know the the mystery of Black Jesus. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. What about you, Shell? Yo, it's, it like he said, man. It was just, it was just great insight on him, and it felt like he felt like uh, Frank Sinatra to me. He was like, man, I did it my way, and mm-hmm. and he really, you know, being a Jordan fan growing up, you know, and I knew about the the toughness and all that stuff like that. But it was it was just really impressive to see how emotional he was when explaining like he's probably been carrying a lot of this stuff with him for years. And it, it was just really impressive to see how emotional this whole project was for him and him telling his story. And that, that was pretty deep, man. It, it was it was real deep. And it was good. Like you said, I, I remember the wrestling thing. I remember that clearly. I didn't remember him going off and Jordan having to go get him from Vegas. But the wrestling thing I do, I, I, yeah. I do remember that. And I remember him being a headache to them. I remember that clear as day too. Because I remember being scared that it wasn't going to work out because I was a Bulls fan. So I was mm-hmm. just thinking, this is not going to work. There's no way they're going to get this to stay together. Because Dennis was mm-hmm. just too, he was just a lot. And he was doing a lot. <laughs> yeah. I remember, you know, he taking his shoes off on the bench. I remember he would just take his shoes off and mm-hmm. he just did a lot. Of, he did a lot. Take the cameraman. Yeah, taking the camera, all the stuff he was doing, man. But to, to see even the insight on Dennis was great for this film because it showed you that he was a tactician. He he paid attention to the detail. It was just, it was just a good it was a good 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 show. And those, those last two episodes were powerful. I felt like I was there in that Utah. Game. I don't know about y'all, but that Utah series that I watched again, it felt like I was there. Mm-hmm. That's how mm-hmm. that's how descriptive it was, and I was inside the mind of Michael Jordan, and it just proved his greatness even more for me. What about you, Nick? Uh, for me, I guess I got to be the disrespectful one. Uh, it made me. It made me. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, not in the way you think. Not in the way you think. It made me think of why the hell do we say LeBron's the goat? Like, what makes people think that? Like, after watching this doc, you really just sit back and be like, all the stories that I've heard. Because I was, I'm of uh, of the era that kind of was a youth going into it, so I didn't really get to see Jordan really as a uh, a teenager until he was with the Wizards. So that's not even the Jordan you want to see, but to see mm-hmm. this whole doc in in oh, cool. in all ten parts, it just broke it breaks it breaks down all those stories you heard, the highlights, the context that Kyle references, and also it just humanizes Jordan in a way of like, if you think this way, then you could probably achieve it. And it made me think of like, we talk about uh, Jordan as an asshole sometimes, or even like even his teammates will even f- refer to him that way, and then we see that like how LeBron treats his teammates and is all more buddy-buddy. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. like, if LeBron was more Jordan, will we see six losses in the finals? Or will we see possibly, the you know, he could have been the greatest of all time? So it just kind of made me right. think of, like, Jordan's mindset is just so focused, more focused than anybody on the court. That's why he's the greatest. Like, with LeBron, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you never know what his focus is sometimes when it counts. Because you would think that it was, hit with someone with his gifts which should dominate his era like Jordan did. And if you look at LeBron's era, like, everybody ate. I even saw Dirk get his ring. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like who yeah. didn't eat in LeBron's era? Not even just one title, yeah. but multiple titles. Runs. Right. And yeah. Jordan stopped. Pat, there was They were th- throwing out trivia throughout the whole doc, and it was like, what player Hall of Famer did Jordan stop the most? And it was Patrick Ewan. It was like Patrick, four times. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, like, and Pat, and that's probably why Pat don't get mentioned like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, but if you look at LeBron, the people that LeBron lost to, they will always be mentioned. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. Yeah. That, that's what I was just thinking. 
I thought it was six times heat. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, you make up some good points. I mean, all y'all bring up some good points, man. I, I'm with, I'm with everybody, man. To, to, to echo the same sentiments as everybody, I thought, I thought it ended on a perfect note. Um, it, it really built throughout the the the, the, the list of episodes. It, it really hit that crescendo um, on Sunday night. Uh, just re, reliving. I mean, that tenth episode, man. Reliving Utah, the shot, everything. I mean, it was just incredible, man. You know, seeing seeing the parties involved kind of go through it. I mean, I, I've seen it before, but never with this kind of in-depth detail and analysis and Jordan in his own words. I mean, it was just it was just amazing, man. Um, just the, the 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 final two episodes were really really well done, really great. Um, yeah, I, I'm with everybody. I, I share the same I share the same thoughts. Um, you you guys brought up something interesting that I wanted to kind of come back to. So so Kyle and 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 Sheldon, you guys are the older ones out of out of us two. Um, so you guys remember? <laughs> not throwing no shade. I'm just saying y'all the OGs. Y'all the OGs. Right. We're so not as old as Ken. Are, <laughs> yeah, Ken is. Ken, is <laughs> Ken, Ken, Ken grew up with Mike. Yeah, I know, right? Ken grew up with Mike. <laughs> he used to Mike. Um, Shout out to Ken. <laughs> shout out to Ken, man. Shout out to everybody also, man. B B for everybody over at DS. No doubt. No um, doubt. But but um talk to me about, you know, because you guys remember Jordan. Like me, I I was I was early teens. So I I rem I, I, I remember specifically the 93 finals as like my my introduction to Jordan. That's when I was I was what seven years old. So I remember the 93 finals as like being my first introduction. To like that's when I got really started watching basketball and knowing what the hell was going on and paying attention on an everyday, every game basis. Um, and then of course, so I missed a lot of the first three peat, you know, but mm -hmm. so the second three peat was more of my frame of reference. But you guys, you guys remember Jordan through the first three peat, second three peat. You guys remember the battles with the Pistons. Just talk to me about just how big Jordan was, man. Because I think, I think people, I, I think that's that's one of the that's one of the things that this documentary will bring up is just how much of a rock star. I mean, I'm just a, like a larger than life figure. Michael Jordan was. So just right. talk to me about being in the '90s, being teenagers, young adults at that time frame, like you guys were, seeing this all unfold. I mean, it must have just been like it must have just been like crazy to just see an athlete be that big, that well known. It was for, for me, and, and that, let me tell you something I thought about. And I'm gonna ask y'all what y'all think about this too. But I thought about how you know if he had been around during the era of social media. Would he have been as big as he is, he was? That's a question I often ask. But and the reason why I ask that is because, well, he was primetime TV. So yeah. we all got to see him on a day-to-day -day basis, whereas maybe if he grew up in the social media area, I mean, so, social media era, we would have saw other players as well. So I don't know. I, I think he still probably would have been the same thing. But it was it was crazy to watch, man, because you didn't know what he was going to do next. You if you notice, you know, we know him for being his airness and jumping around and, you know, being the best athlete and floating through the air is what he was known for. But if you went back through that documentary, you saw most of the shots he hit was jumpers. So most yeah. of those big shots were, were mid range, mid range, mid -range jump shots. Mid -range. That's what my brother, brought up. My, yeah. my brother brought up that issue, that, that point to me the other day too. And I forgot, that's the part, you know, like I said, that I forgot about back then. He was like, yo, he said Jordan was one of the most fun, fundamentally sound players you'll ever see in your life because he shot from the elbows. He shot from the free throw line. He could take it to the basket. He could do whatever needed to be done. But that's what I remember most, man, is, is just his greatness, man. And always trying to see. I remember the, the Pistons series, him by himself single-handedly trying to carry those guys. 
through. And it, he was just great, man. He was just, it was, it was a once in a lifetime thing. And you knew that even then. What about you, Kyle? What, what, is, no, what are your memories, I mean, memories from that time frame? I, I go back even further with Jordan. I go back to, like, I started watching the NBA in 1980, right? And so I remember Jordan in college at North Carolina. It, he wasn't even Michael. They used to call him Mike. Mike That's what the announcers called him. And I remember that night, that Monday night, watching the uh, national championship game. I begged my mom. I was like, Mom, can I stay up and watch the game? Can I stay up and watch the game? It was a national championship game between uh, Carolina and uh, Georgetown. And she let me stay up and watch it. And, and, and Mike Jordan hit the shot. And, you know, from there, I watched him and I, I became a fan. And, and subsequently, because I grew up in South Carolina, you know, there was no basketball team there. So I just gravitated to the Bulls because I love Jordan. And so, um, but just watching him, one thing that, that I loved about the documentary with them going back and forth was that if you look at, you know, 90s Jordan, he was one way, but the 80s Jordan, he was cold. I mean, like he was, that was air Jordan. I mean, like come through the lane, dunk on the whole damn team. I'm going to get 35, 36, 37 a night. We're going to win. I'm going to talk trash. I mean, he was all of that. And and it was just, it was beautiful to see. And it was, it, his ascension to stardom kind of happened right at the, at the right time. You know, the NBA, when I started watching the NBA, you know, a lot of the games were on tape delay. So mm-hmm. you didn't even see him live. There was no such thing as a league pass or anything like that. Jordan happened to be playing for the Bulls and the Bulls were on Superstation WGN. Well, that's a national cable station. So we all got to see Jordan. So if Jordan was playing for the Sacramento Kings, we don't yeah. see him as often. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that was a, a something else. And then when when NB and when NBC got the rights to the the NBA, we started seeing more games as far as like during the week or whatever. Not I'm sorry, not on the week on the weekends. And he took off. And uh, you know, like like uh, Sheldon was saying that the series with the Pistons. <laughs> it was great seeing that man because you saw him, you know, literally fight. I mean, he had to fight and it was, then he realized like, look, I can't do this by myself. You know, Pippen had to grow up. Horace Grant had to grow up. All of those guys had to get better for him to, and now he was going to do his thing. But what happened was they got confident and they got to a point where like, look, we're not, we're not taking it. And they couldn't, the Pistons couldn't do anything with him. And then you saw him, you know, just ascend to be, you know, the superstar that he was. But one of the things that I think they they touched on very key in the documentary was that it was really, really, and, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier about context. It was really, really hard being Michael Jordan because he literally couldn't go anywhere. I mean, like we see our athletes now, we see Tom Brady, we see LeBron, we see, you know, uh, whomever. We see these guys on Instagram, you know, they can come in a room, go out of a room. Jordan literally, I mean, like when he went into a hotel, he was a prisoner in a hotel. He couldn't go anywhere. And I remember him doing an interview and he said, I want to get to a point. He's like, if I ever get to a point where where I could walk down the street, nobody says anything to me, I'd be cool with that. And I was like, damn, is it that bad? Like, I mean, like it was almost like it was a burden because, you know, he he was a rock star before, you know, it was really cool to be a rock star. And to Shelton's point, you know, there was no social media, but if Jordan had been Jordan on the court, I think we probably would have gotten the same same Jordan, but off the court, I don't know, because Mike had his 
he had his issues, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> and so, you know, from the gambling to all this other stuff that he did, that a lot of stuff that people don't know about that some of the stuff they didn't even touch on the documentary, which I understand. Right. Uh, Social media that being, go ahead. Uh, now go ahead, go, go ahead, Kyle. No, what I was going to say, say was, you know, social media really would have blown that up. And I don't think that mm-hmm. some of the stuff that he did off the court would have gotten away, you know, would, would, have, would have gone over, you know, well with with people. And I think people would have would have soured on it, man. But Mike was he was must see TV, man. I mean, I always said Jordan was the guy that. When he was playing. If he was playing, your grandmother would sit and watch. And your grandmother might not even care about basketball, but she knew right. Jordan and she was going to sit and watch. And he had the ability to bring people in. And like I said, navigating through social media, that's where I give guys like LeBron, Kobe, I give them some slack because they had to go through this. They didn't have to go through what he went. I mean, he didn't have to go through this type of stuff. I don't know how he would have handled it because of the, you know, everything that comes along with it. I mean, like, like I said, Jordan did a great job of keeping us out. Like we only like I don't know what he ate. I don't know what he liked for for, for breakfast. You know, right. you, LeBron could post on Instagram what he what he ate for breakfast this morning. We'd be cool. Yeah, no Taco Tuesdays at the no Jordan Taco House. Tuesdays. <laughs> no, <laughs> hell no, definitely no Taco Tuesdays. But uh, but it was a time, man. It was it was a beautiful time, and I, I just remember even like those last couple of years, I recorded game after game after game, and I still got them on VHS. And I told myself when I had a son. I was going to sit down and let him watch and, and and let him watch these Jordan tapes. And so I finally had my son and we sat down and we watched these tapes and lo and behold, I'm thinking, okay, he's going to be a Jordan fan. He's a Kobe fan. Well, the, the, hey, but Kobe, Kobe is his Jordan. No, 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 no. Yeah. Kobe is his Jordan. Kobe is yeah, his no, Jordan. So, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and speaking of Kobe, I, I I'm going to, I'm pretty sure, I know you guys probably talked about this, but, I knew Kobe was coming on this documentary. I didn't know he was going to talk in the way that he talked. And man, I'm sitting there watching this documentary and I look over my wife and she's wiping her eyes. She's crying. <laughs> she's wiping her eyes. I'm like, I'm looking at her like, please don't start crying. And I was, the next thing I know, I'm wiping my eyes. I I'm looking at the kids. <laughs> you know what? I'm looking you know, at the kids. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me, this is random, but it just stuck out to me when you said it. It was like, it's like how Illmatic only has that AZ verse. And mm-hmm. it's like the whole album is all, you remember Nas. Obviously, it's all about Nas. But like that little AZ verse, you remember that though. Like it, it, it yeah. sticks out. It's just like yeah, that man. That Kobe Ooh. cameo. It just, I just, that's the second thing I remember after like just the greatness of Jordan is like, damn, like. Yeah, I was. Kobe, Kobe respected him like no one else. And he respected, it was like it was a mutual respect. And you you combine that with Jordan's speech at his funeral, it was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, man, yeah. I was. I'm yeah. be honest, I wasn't prepared for. It. I knew he was. I knew it was coming, yeah. but I didn't know how much. And I, I I think I'd read that they had a hard time scheduling. I think they only got like maybe 30 minutes sit, to yeah. sit down with Kobe. So and I would. He wouldn't open up. They couldn't get him to talk. That's yeah, what I saw. and and, and yeah. I and I understand. And and so you know, even the little bit that they got was, it was you know. It, <laughs> I just left it saying like, "Damn, I can't believe Kobe's not here." Right? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I that's the biggest that thing. Every yeah. now and then, like, damn, Kobe's gone. Like, even like I saw a clip when he was on, um, like, what is it with the smoke? Stephen Jackson mm-hmm. and all uh, the, yeah, 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 all the smoke, all the smoke. When he that was, was like, just clips, clips from his that interview was just like, man, they got a, they have a gem for 
all time with that interview. I think they got the like, last real interview with Kobe. I think they exactly. did. I think they did. And, they, they and, did. and they did, the yeah. fact that they were so excited to go see him, he, you mm-hmm. know, he, all that stuff made it good. Man, that was that was good TV. So that yeah, was. I just like I said, just really in context, these athletes and, and basketball players in particular that we've watched over the last twenty years. We've been able to have access to him. Jordan just he he never gave us that access, and and we got a lot of access in this documentary. And Kyle, I agree with you as far as like I think social media would have killed Jordan, especially so with too. all with all the how political like politicized we are now. Like they were, that was just a little taste of what he got back then. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, I think relative within his with his home state or whatever. But like, yeah, social media would have just killed him, no matter how I mean, great he was on the court. They would. I mean, just even even something simple. I mean, like we had. I mean, and they didn't. Obviously, they didn't touch on it in the documentary. But you know, there was a a time where kids were getting killed for Jordans. I mean, like cancel culture on Twitter would have canceled Jordan. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like just for something that and and Jordan spoke out about it, but it wasn't to you know it wasn't like he went on a huge you know campaign about you know stop killing for my shoe and you know like kids were getting killed and the price of the sneakers was still going up. And it, of course, it wasn't his fault. But to your point, Nick, nah, social media would have Jordan was able to get away with a lot of stuff that our modern day athlete couldn't even dream about. Because he was the first. I mean, he was the first. So of course. when you're the first at anything, you know, you're going to have the advantages and you're going to have the burden of being the first. You know what I mean? So right. mm-hmm. it's it's a gift and a curse. A but, but, but you brought up a good point. But you but you brought up a good point, Kyle. Um, talk to me about. The, the social activism part because that's always that's 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 always been a much kind of debated part you know especially in our community you know i mean we we always have that conversation should what responsibility did jordan have uh i had a rant about this on one of my episodes one of one of the episodes that i reviewed I, I think it was after i think it was like episodes five or six right where the whole you know jordan you know did he do enough and, and all that mm-hmm. and i had a yeah. rant after those episodes yeah with, yeah exactly with the elections and um for congress in, in north carolina i want to get your guys's opinion on this because you know there's been a lot of debate as far as like what role do athletes play or celebrities entertainers whatever what famous people in general what role do they play and and have and what obligations do they have in speaking out, being kind of these using their platforms, being these kind of these figures to speak on these things? Um, where do you guys stand on the whole thing with Jordan? I mean, do you guys think the criticism is fair, a little unfair? Where where do you guys kind of lie on the ideological spectrum of that? I thought I, I thought uh, it was. Okay. Go ahead, okay. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was. Some of it is warranted because he was a huge figure. And I think that statement, that off-color joke or whatever that he made that, you know, will be in his obituary or a column about his obituary, you know, about Republicans buying sneakers. But at the same time, again, you have to remember context. In 84, 85, 86, our athletes were just athletes. They didn't really speak out a lot about stuff. I mean, like, I don't know what, you know, Jerry Rice's political affiliation was. I don't know what, you know, David Robinson's political affiliation was. So, you know, to ask Jordan to be the guy who, you know, would get up and let's say publicly support Jesse Jackson as he's running for president in 1988, um, you know, that might be asking a lot. And and to be honest, a lot of those guys were, you know, just really single-handedly focused on their job. They weren't worried about, you know, 
endorsements or they weren't worried about this or that. They were just worried about staying in their prospective leagues and do whatever they could, to, you know, to survive. Um, could he have done more? Yes, he probably should have done more and said more um, because he did have a huge platform. Um, but I don't necessarily knock him all the way. I think I just realized that Jordan was Jordan. You know what I'm saying? And so in saying that, and I, 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 I always stop when I try to compare Jordan and LeBron, but what LeBron has done off the court, I think will far su- supersede anything that he'll ever do on the court. And that's saying a lot. Because LeBron has not, he he's taken that platform and he's done so much more. And in doing that, it's a sign of the times. This is the time that, that you know, I guess kind of dictates that. Jordan came up in a time where, again, I mean, for all that Magic has done, I don't know what Magic, I don't know if Magic voted for Ronald Reagan. I don't know that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because, and I've never heard Magic speak out about Ronald Reagan or the Bushes. You know what I'm saying? But nobody never said any, or, or Larry Bird for that matter. So it was, I think we have to kind of keep up some of that in context because at that time we didn't necessarily look to athletes to speak out. And one thing that we always have to keep in mind is that we always want athletes to speak out as long as they're speaking for us. But the minute that they say something that, you know, that, that they, you know, say something about somebody that we don't like, you let some athlete say, you know, that they're down with Trump. Let some black athletes say that they're down with Trump. You know, I mean, if if Steph Curry said he was down with Trump, we'd kill Steph Curry. You know what I'm saying? So it's, but we can't say, well, we want them to speak out and then criticize them if they're not saying what it is that we want them to say. So it's, like I said, I, to answer your question, you're right. I think he should have done more. But I also think we have to keep some of that stuff in context because that was an era where we really didn't ask, ask athletes to, even though there were athletes that did speak out, um, we really didn't ask athletes to do a lot. I think for me, I think it's more about, I, I love, you say context. This documentary gave context to pretty much everything that Jordan went on in his career during that mm-hmm. run. And it showed that he didn't have it in his heart to do that. And for me, that's right. a, that made me change my whole perspective on like black athletes have to, you know, throw up the fist whenever something, some injustice is going on. Because to me, it's like, if it's not in your heart, it's going to come out. Because we've seen like how, I think Kyle, you may be alluded to it, like how certain athletes, they'll come out and speak about something and then they not really see it all the way through or they're not really down with it as as what we thought they were. Mm-hmm. And they get crucified for like that. Like I'm thinking of Malcolm Jenkins, you know what I'm saying? So it's just mm-hmm. like, someone who who is very political and is very involved but still gets called as you know a sellout and Kyle to, to answer your question about Jerry Rice that Popeye's chicken commercial didn't help him out <laughs> no none as far as his political <laughs> but I'm just saying but for me it's just like if you're an athlete if it's if it's not in your heart it's not in your heart so just don't don't do stuff because I think a lot of people nowadays with this whole PR thing and maybe their agents is like, look, you can use this social media aspect, this activism aspect to boost your career. Like, look at what it did for Cap. They'll start pointing at other people and be like, you can do it too. And like, nah, if you're just focused on the game, like how Jordan was, he's like, I'm just here to play basketball. Now I really want to do. I don't want to take any attention away from that because I'm not an expert in that. I'm an expert in this. And sometimes mm-hmm. you. Just like that Dave Chappelle joke, like sometimes you don't want to hear from Ja Rule about shit. Like you want to just hear from the experts. That's true. That that is a very good point. I think it, it's 
we have to be mindful of that. And sometimes athletes, they want to say, but like you said, some of them, to be honest, aren't even qualified to talk about some of these things that they're you know, asked to talk about. And I think Jordan could have and should have done his research uh, and, and he should have done more. And, you know, he's going to get criticism for it. And I think rightfully so. But I think a lot of times, you know, people, they hung on to that quote because, again, we up until that documentary, a lot of people didn't know that that was just an off color joke, if you will. And how it got out, nobody knows. Well, I mean, they they have their suspicions. It was Horace Grant. Out. We are, we know how it got exactly. out. It was <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they said Horace Grant was was dropping dimes, and I mean, like that whole Jordan Rules book, which I read back in the day. You know, a lot of the the team secrets got out to Sam uh, Smith. Uh, the author who actually appeared, you know, appeared on the documentary, which without, which I thought was interesting because to my knowledge, after Sam Smith wrote that book, Michael Jordan never spoke to Sam Smith again. And Sam Smith was the beat writer for the Chicago Bulls for many years when Jordan was there. So uh, how, you know, Jordan gave the green light for him to be on there was, you know, uh, interesting in and of itself. But yeah, it was, uh, you're right. It, it's crazy. That's that's what they're saying. That Horace Grant was the snitch. And he telling that bold face lie on national TV. <laughs> you know what's crazy is um, all before I kind of secretly, I was secretly against him for that part, and I say secretly because I, once again I was one of the biggest Jordan fans there were, like most people, um, and I didn't like criticizing him, even though I felt like it was a mistake for him not to speak out. But then I, the more I thought about it, the more I went into the mindset of, yes, responsibility necessarily. I mean, it, I, I see where people can say that's their responsibility. But at the same time, if if that's like saying he should be a rocket scientist when he didn't go to school for that. That ain't what he know. That's not his area of expertise. So he has the right to kind of stay away from things that don't, that he wouldn't be educated enough to speak on, if that makes sense. Maybe he didn't feel comfortable talking about that stuff because he just didn't know enough about it to talk about it. And I, I kind of got to give him a pass for that. I don't know. I, I, I get the point about him and, you know, the Republicans buy shoes too. I get that money point. But at the same time, man, everybody's not, everybody is not a role model. Everybody is not a hero. Everybody is not put on this earth to be an activist. They're just not. Some people, that's just not in them. So we can't expect, just like LeBron is not a killer, we can't expect him to ever be that. Um, He's just going to be him. And that's kind of how Jordan was. He just did his thing. And his thing was to be the best basketball player on this planet. And that's what he set out to do, and that's what he did. So to me, I just, I, I like I said, for a long time I was thinking, dudes, you need to say something. But now I, I, I get it. He just didn't feel like he was qualified on anything. So that's, I mean, that's, that's perfect. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, man. I mean, I've always been a little split on the whole social activism part because, in one part, like I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm politically active. I, I read. I try to educate myself. I try to get involved. And I mean, I work for a local government, so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm that person. But to me, but I've always felt like it's unfair to project your opinions and your thoughts and your personality and things that interest you on everybody else, and to feel like, well, everybody else should have that stance, or everybody else should be like I am and have the same political thoughts that I am. You know, some people are just not qualified. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not just giving them a pass, but he's just not. I mean, 
I mean, I don't know if y'all noticed, but like recently with the whole shooting of um um of the kid and um I forgot the whole the whole the whole the, police, the, whole, the whole shooting with uh, the Ahmad yeah exactly I was yeah. blanking out on his name the whole Ahmad shooting um you know Mike Epps came out and said something that pissed a lot of black people off about basically saying that you know black people need to stop killing each other you know the whole black on black you know that moronic thought that you know somehow black on black crime is 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 have has anything to do with you know white people killing us like it, it's just right. stupid and and just whatever but mike epps uh, somebody who's beloved respected he said that and that's an example of someone that just isn't qualified to talk about these issues on a grand scale like we all love mike epps nobody believes in mike epps is a coon or uncle tom or anything like that he just isn't qualified to speak on these things and some people are just not you know what i'm saying like that's just not their strong suit and the other Mm -hmm. thing about it is too like this idea that like an athlete a black athlete on a high level that they owe us something like they owe us the the, you know the ability to come out and speak out on certain things no they don't their job is to go out there entertain us Their their job is to go out there and play basketball play football play baseball play tennis whatever their sport is right that's their they that's what they owe us they owe us to go out there and play hard every single night on top of it after that it is what it is and and mm-hmm. to have this expectation that every athlete is going to be muhammad ali and 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 i and i bring up muhammad ali because you know the first thing you say well you know muhammad ali spoke out jim brown spoke out you gotta think about it the 1960s and 1980s that's 20 years that's 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 almost a full generation of athletes that came after jim brown muhammad ali um you know, Kareem, all those guys that were heroes in the 60s for civil rights, right? You know, look at the backlash that Muhammad Ali faced. Look at the backlash that Jim Brown faced. You know, it's it's it's, it's good now in 2020 to have this romanticized view of what Muhammad Ali did and everybody just praises him universally now. But you got to think back in the, in, in the 1960s, 1970s. I mean, these guys were vilified. Ali was called a traitor, a communist. You know, he hates America, blah, 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 blah. Like all of these things that were thrown, all these shots that were thrown at Muhammad Ali. It wasn't until Muhammad Ali really got sick that the tide yeah. turn and the opinion on him really kind of changed. And, and of course, 10 years after the fact, everybody knew the, the Vietnam War was just a fucking joke and a disaster. That's what really changed the, the conversation around that. But a lot of those athletes from the 60s, like those guys were vilified by America. So there was a generation of athletes, I think, that came up that were coached and were trained like, yo, you do not touch politics. You don't speak on anything. You know, you may have thoughts, you may have opinions, don't touch that shit. And I think that's where the Republicans buy sneakers comment came from. It was like, yo, I'm not touching that. Like my job is to, to play, play sports, you know, build my brand and that be it. And some folks may not like that. And and that's cool. We can have a conversation about whether that's the right approach, whether that's the wrong approach, but this idea that like Michael Jordan had to be Michael Jordan and Malcolm X at the same time. It's just, it's, it's always been ludicrous to me. Like right. it, I just don't understand it. And I think, and, and, and I think, I think it was, I think it was Kyle or maybe, or maybe even Nick that like now social activism is cool. Now social mm-hmm. activism being woke is almost a PR ploy. Now, you know, right. it, it helps your brand, that LeBron speaks out on police violence. You know what I mean? It helps your brand that, you know, you know, Damian Lillard speaks out on this issue or Russell Westbrook speaks out on that issue. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think it's unfair to judge these guys in the like judge Jordan judge, you know, nobody ever said like Kyle brought this up. Nobody ever said something about magic. I, I've never heard magic political leanings. 
you know, I've never, I've never right. read about Magic Johnson being a, you know, being very active on. So, I mean, I know, I know he does a lot of things for black, you know, black for the black community, helps small right. businesses owned by women. I think that's the reason. So, so he does, he does do different things. And to be fair, you know, Jordan has donated a lot of money to, you know, charities. He's donated, so he's done different things. Of course, he hasn't been out and out and out in front with it or out in the open with it. Um, but you know, where's Magic Johnson's political thoughts? Like, I want to see what Michael Jackson, you know, what, what did Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, Magic Johnson <laughs> think about, um, you know, the LA riots in 92? What was, uh, you know, what was Clyde Drexler's opinion on, on, on what was going on in the early nineties? You know what I'm saying? Like, what was, what was, we all know Chuck was out there, but I mean, like, I just think it's unfair to just hold these, to judge these guys retroactively under this under the view of 2020 America and think that, well, LeBron speaks up. So every, all these guys should have spoken up 20 years ago. That's just right. not fair. Well, you know, you imagine, know what it is too, Manny? I think part of the issue is that the question was never asked. Like you didn't know what your athlete, where they stood politically because they were never asked. And even Jordan, he was never asked. This was an off color comment that he made as far as jokingly on a bus. So he was mm. even amongst, so that's like him, you know, dropping the N-word in a room of his teammates. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's something that's said, it's not really supposed to get out of the room, but, you know, somebody like Michael Jordan, who was, like I said, very, very protective of his image. Like, I, I, and I'll give you an example. Jordan's first son was born, and Jordan was not married to his then wife, Juanita. Mm-hmm. He tried, mm-hmm. or his people tried to hide the, the fact that, you know, that she was pregnant because they didn't want him to have a quote-unquote kid out of wedlock. Now, I mean, how, how common is it now for somebody to have a child out of wedlock? I mean, was, nobody bats an eye about it, but they were so image conscious. So I said that in saying that for someone to be that image conscious or that at least their camp to be that image conscious, no, you're not going to ask him about what he thinks about Reagan and, you know, the the war overseas or whatever, like the war on drugs. You're not going to ask him those kind of questions. And so, and honestly, athletes, generally speaking, weren't asked those kind of questions. So it's, it's kind of revisionist history. It's a part of his history. And like I said, it, he'll always be kind of criticized for it. I, I think he could have done more, but I don't I don't hold, you know, I'm not going to beat him over the head because he didn't speak up he just didn't and, and to be honest that's just not who he was and i mean i'm glad you brought that up you know that was night that was 1980s america that was the reagan exactly. extra conservatism you know conservatism at its at its peak you know the family you know 40 acres in a mule like that was what america the image of america was like that's what it was and then of course you got this black athlete who appeals across racial lines mm-hmm. and then it, it just I, I just feel i feel like it's just unfair to i feel like that criticism has always been unfair you know i get it i understand it like what i wanted jordan to speak up more on issues absolutely of course right. everybody i think all of us in this panel wanted that right but i also can't blame the guy for saying and i and i respect what he said like yo i i didn't speak up on things that i wasn't qualified on and i respected what he said like i don't know this man like everybody wants me to support him because he's a black man but you know, I don't know his politics. I don't know where he's taking money from. Maybe he's taking money from 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 corporations that that do bad things by our people. So, right. like, what, what you know? So, how does that? Okay, maybe because he's not a racist, that makes him better. But 
you know, still like I, I just I, I, I really get upset with that because I think it's just an unfair barometer to judge an athlete. And also, like you said, you know, he what if he came out and said, yeah, I'm a Republican. I support, <laughs> you know, uh, I support uh, um, old boy that was running against uh, Gant, you know. OK, right. Jesse Helms. You know what Jesse Helms. Like, where, where? OK, so then you would have hated him. So you hate him for not speaking up and then you would have hated him for for speaking up against the black candidate. And, yeah. and let me and, let me tell you something, man. Somebody from South Carolina, Jesse Helms, put the R in racist. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm still. I'm just. Oh, you can just. I just look. I didn't even know anything about Jesse Helms, but I I looked at it as soon as they posted that white man on the TV screen. I just knew this dude was just. <laughs> and you know what, what's interesting was Har- Harvey Garrett Gant said that you know he said even if Jordan had endorsed him, he didn't think he was going to win anyway. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Do you do you think Carol in in Timbuktu County, North Carolina. Well, you know, I was compelled to to vote for for you know, <laughs> Jordan. Yeah, right. but but Michael Jordan's yeah. you know a, you know Michael Jordan and those pair of sixes really swayed me. Like, no, that, that yeah. wasn't gonna happen. Like, I, I don't and, know. It, and, just, it, it and just many, bothers me, man. To your point, like even when you just said that, it, it makes it even it makes it stand out even more as far as comparing back then to today. Is like. Yeah, the athletes today are more encouraged to speak out. But like you said, like LeBron tried to support Hillary. And obviously we see how that went. Like mm-hmm. some of these, these athletes, like <laughs> they do have a voice. But just because you have a voice doesn't mean you have influence. Like I, exactly. I think that we we get that exactly. confused a lot. And I think with the whole Magic Johnson thing, like I think he get a pass because he was the face for HIV and all that stuff. I think That's once true. you became the That's face true. of that, like, he was like, all right, bro, you don't have to say nothing else. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, we happy you just Facts. here. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, That's true. true. That's a really good point. That's a really Absolutely. good point. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, and look at LeBron's support of Hillary Clinton. I mean, I, I hate Hillary Clinton. So I can, I can, if I really wanted to, I could poke holes at that support, like the whole super <laughs> predators comment, all the things that she's done. Like, really? This is the person that you're going to hit your wagons to? I mean, so I, that's the problem. You're never going to satisfy anybody when no, you start you speaking about right. social issues. Because it's like a, I, I was telling my... Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, when I was telling my co-host on one of the shows that I did earlier, right, I was like, you're never going to satisfy anybody. Because you're going you're gonna to have folks that love Jordan that are Republicans that are going to get pissed off because he speaks right. out against Republican issues. And you're going to have the folks in the Black community that if Jordan doesn't, doesn't if he doesn't go full militant, they're going to say he's a coon and a sellout and this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Right. Then you're going to have the folks in the middle that are like, oh, I don't want my athletes talking sports, you know, just shut up the shut up and dribble crowd. Like, you're yeah. never going to satisfy anybody. So right. you might as well just shut the hell up. And just, that was you know my, what? I'm going to just go out there and play basketball. That was my exact point. I was going to say, regardless, it's a double-edged sword. He's going to lose either way it goes. So the best thing mm-hmm. he can do is just remain calm, be the best basketball player he can be, and sell those shoes, man. And and you see where it landed him. He's a billionaire at this point. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It didn't hurt his pockets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, he, right. And, and, and honestly, if he had spoke up, maybe he wouldn't be in this position. So, he did the right thing, man. Regardless, he did the right thing. He he did what he needed to do to feed his family and in the, in the to to keep it moving. And he didn't, you know, he didn't go against our people, but he just didn't. He didn't get involved in things like I said that he wasn't qualified to speak on. That ain't his. That ain't his area of expertise. Yes, Jordan was the greatest basketball player in the world, and if I was, if there was one shot left to take, I'd rather him take it than anybody else. But if I needed some brain surgery, I don't want Jordan in the room. You see what I'm saying? It, it, exactly. It, it, that's right. that's kind of how I look at that, man. And Absolutely. You know,
And that's, that's yeah, it, no. mm-hmm. yeah, 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 absolutely, man. I, I didn't want to rant too much about that, but I just, I, I mean, even even now, I mean, you, you still hear that conversation happening. You still, you know, you still see that a popular discussion piece like, oh, Jordan's a sellout. Oh, Jordan didn't do nothing. I'm just like, what did this, what was this man supposed to do? Be Mahatma Gandhi? Like, that's what he was supposed to do? Like, lead us to the promised yeah. land? Like, I, yeah, nah. Which which with a pair with a pair of Elevens on, like with a pair of Concords on, you know, some promise line. Like, all right, I got it. Um, like, whatever, man. Um, just kind of running through some of the some of the the, the talking points of the series. Uh, what did you guys think of his? What did you guys think how they handled the whole treatment of the teammates and and his kind of philosophy on leadership and all that? Do you, do you guys think they handled that well? Do you think Jordan handled that well? How did you guys feel about that? I'll start with Nick. Oh, I thought it was. Uh... It was the it was for the old timers, pretty much. Right? I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna call you out. All right, mm-hmm. I'm, the young, I'm the young buck on the show. But it was just more about like this is how basketball used to be played back in my day. This is what leadership looks like back in my day. None of this trophies for everybody. You had to hard work. The best player on the court gonna give his blood, sweat, and tears. So you should do at least that. It was basically that. Um, and again, like going back to what I was referencing earlier when I was talking about in comparison to LeBron, like. You you saw what it was like when Scotty tried to take over and be the leader, and the results of that. You know what I'm saying? So you it, it made it even more like cement Jordan's legacy as far as like he is the number one guy. Like you look up to him. If you do it his way, you're nine times out of ten you're gonna win the game, or you may go six for six. So it was just like even that whole fight with Steve Kerr, like that that famous fight. Like, we didn't even know Steve Kerr for the first punch. You know what I'm saying? And then Jordan just knocked him real quick to show you who he was. But it, it still, but it, it made them close. You know what I'm saying? The way he came at, uh, what was it, uh, Scott Burrell, how he mm-hmm. was like, I, I got to push these guys because I need to know when we in the trenches, I need to know you got my six or something like that. So it's just like, it was just all about that. And I, I like, I appreciated that, but I could tell they were just laying the Jordan, like, myth and all that shit. They was laying the sauce on heavy, like, you 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 can't watch those scenes and be like, damn man, Jordan that nigga. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about y'all? Shout. Well, for me, like like you said, like Nick said, man, I I grew up in that era. So to hear people talk like that and to to be uplifted by people that are that greater, that's that's an everyday thing, man. My if my son, I tell my son that all the time. I'm like, man, if, if you had to come to the gym back in my day, boy, you leave crying every day because. You know, there was no mercy. Jordan was talking regular, in in my opinion, the way he talked to them and the way he treated them, it was regular to me. I, that was what I was used to. But like like Nick said, also it made them greater. Certain ele- athletes that elevate the people around them. I remember when Mike Vick played for the Falcons. To me, those teams were trash. Even though I'm not a Falcons fan, they're trash teams. But because he had that that certain swagger, that certain that certain confidence in himself when he would walk around, because I worked in Lennox at the time, spending a lot of time around those guys, watching the way he carried himself made people play better than where they were. So everybody stepped up a level because of him being the leader. Same thing with Jordan. When when you played with him, he made you play outside yourself a little bit so you could step up and hit that big shot. The John Paxons, the Steve Kerrs, you know what I'm saying? Judd Bushler, for example. Judd Bushler didn't belong in the NBA. When he played with Jordan, it made it made, I, I remember him making shots. You know what I'm saying? Same thing right. with Randy Brown. Randy Brown was one of my favorite players. He was a dog, but Randy Brown was was in the league because of Jordan. He, you know what I'm saying? Jordan made him a championship player. So in saying that, man, his leadership was unquestioned. 
you know, you, you really can't even question that part. And, and like I said, a lot of people may have had a problem with how he talked to people, but that's how he was raised, and damn it, that's how they did it. And that was it. That was normal. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Kyle? I mean, let's just call it what it is. Jordan was an asshole. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no, you know, <laughs> there's no easy way to say it. He was an asshole, but and I think uh it was maybe yeah, it was probably Will Purdue that said that, but the thing that you have to take from that, and I'll direct this to Nick, it wasn't necessarily about old school or anything like that, but you knew that he was going to get you where you needed to be. Now, yes, yeah, some players, they needed to be pushed. Some players needed to be, you know, put a foot in their ass. Some players needed to be patted on the back. And you have, and when you're a leader, you have to kind of figure out how to approach each guy like that. Uh, we don't live in a time where you know, where you can berate your teammates because, yeah, the first time that Tom Brady comes and cusses out Rob Gronkowski like that and calls him a hoe, yeah, Gronk going to probably swing on him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It ain't going to be a whole bunch of talking. I mean, I don't even think LeBron talks that way to JaVale McGee, right? No. So, and and we all we all have our own opinions of what JaVale McGee is as a basketball player. Um, and I'm not I'm not saying that to excuse it, but that was one of the things in the documentary because I know Jordan and I follow Jordan and I knew a lot about the team. I didn't. That was no surprise to me that he treated his teammates like that. This is something that's been and a lot of this. If you read the Jordan rules, a lot of this stuff came out in the Jordan. Rules. He was I mean, like, but if you play team sports. And if you're of a certain age, you probably played with an asshole. Maybe not somebody like that, but you play with some. And if you play team sports, everybody on the team ain't your friend. You know, I would say probably Jordan's closest friend on the team was Pippen. And Pippen always wasn't his closest friend. I mean, like they got to be really close and got closer as Scotty got better. But like <laughs> those first couple, yeah, when, like Scotty's first year, they weren't tight like that. Yeah, I mean, no, you know, you, you know what, no, Nick, his closest friend was Oakley until he left. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oak, was, yeah. Oak was his guy. But think about it like this. This whole documentary, we don't get any interaction. Like, there's no best friend. You know, the, the, the best friend, the guy that they said is his best friend is on the payroll. Like, Jordan rolled with some old security guards, some older men. He was just, Jordan was like an old soul. He was an old, old soul. So it's like, you know, his treatment of his teammates, could it have been better? And and I know that he said prior to this documentary going out, he was going to be worried about how people would have perceived him. But deep down, he don't care. I mean, I don't think he, I mean, he still cares about how he's viewed. But back then it was a means to the method of as far as his madness. So if he knew that it was going to result in him pushing his teammates to get the best out of them so that they could win, he'd do that. And obviously they I, they were cool with it because nobody, <laughs> only a couple of them stepped to him. I mean, like if I'm Scott Burrell, I'm not taking that. You're not gonna be calling me no hoe at practice. Yeah, we'd we'd have had a fight. Yeah, we'd we'd have been boxing. Like, yeah, no doubt. Um, no, I, one thing I do disagree with you, Kyle. I I do think he I do think he cares about it. I think, and that's what I think. And I was gonna ask y'all what y'all interpret the crying. What y'all what did y'all interpret from him crying when he was when he was talking about his his treatment of his teammates and his leadership approach. I go to, I, I think, I think, I think it does. I think deep down it does hit him. I mean, he's human. We all, we all look at mm-hmm. Jordan as this God like figure in a lot of ways, but he's human. 
and it and it does affect you to some point like that people talk about you as being this like asshole and this this terrible person because you, you know you could because you, you know even before you started like tearing up and really getting emotional about it you could you could tell like you know, he was getting a little defensive about it like he was like well I, I don't i don't think i was an asshole i don't think i think i was a, a good teammate like I think it, I think I think all these years I think it has like bothered him like I think it's bothered him low key I think back then it didn't bother him because he felt like like you mm-hmm. said it was a means to win and I needed to win but I think post retirement I think it finally hit him like you know I probably if I didn't treat my teammates this way or if I didn't behave this way it was like a gift and a curse type of thing where it's like mm-hmm. I needed to treat them this way because that was my leadership approach and this is what I wanted to get out I wanted to win so this is what I had to do but I feel like he looks back like I paid the price in other ways. I paid in price on how I'm perceived by being this asshole. I paid the price that I don't have these relationships with these players that, you know, that I might have had had I been nicer to them. So I think that was what the what the emotion came out of him was. I think part of it was defending his, like defending his behavior. And then part of it was also like saying like, yeah, it does bother me. Like, it does bother me that people feel that way because I'm not, like, I didn't just do this because I'm just naturally an asshole. I did it because that's what I felt like I had to do to try to be the best basketball player that I can be and get these guys in this, in line. Now, we can all disagree and we can all have debates and arguments about it, whether that was the right approach or not. But, yeah, that's what I think. I think I think it did bother him. Yeah, he was, he was definitely misunderstood, but it, it worked. He got six championships out of it. So, you know, <laughs> right. it was the right approach. You know, yeah, it was the right approach. And leadership comes in all shapes and sizes, man. I'm I'm sure all of you guys can attest. We've worked for asshole bosses. We've worked for good, good, solid down home people bosses. We've 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 worked for guys in the middle. Leadership comes in all shapes and sizes. Like I'm some I'm someone that believes that I don't think you have to be an asshole to be a great leader. I feel like you could be a good person and be a great leader. Some people staunchly believe that you got to be tough. You got to be an asshole. You, you, you can't take no prisoners. You can't be friends. You know, a lot of people feel that way. It's kind of like parenting. You know, you know, some people, you know, they want to be best friends with the kids. Some people want to be tyrants to their kids. Some people kind of want to be in the middle, you know, the good cop, bad cop, like leadership comes in all shapes and sizes. And I, and I hate when we try to criticize leadership, like, Oh, well I wouldn't have done it that way, but yeah, but that's not you. Leadership is personality based. So, and I would, and I would even say, like, to me, for one, like, Jordan <laughs> is, like, the poster child for, like, winning cares all. Like, this, this yeah. whole documentary, you can point yeah. out, like, the gambling, to him yep. possibly being attached to his daddy dying, to, you know, perfect, punching, perfect point. Yep. punching Steve Kerr. He he won on Father's Day. So that cares about this. He won, he, like, he won against the greats. He beat Magic, his first ring. Like, he, everything used, like, that the timeline of everything that happened as far as bad. There was like a great outcome out of that. He he was on the dream team. He won the gold medal. Like he got th- he he three peated. He went to go play baseball. He came back three peated again. Like it was like he had so much success at even in the middle of his lows that you can't really say like, damn, that really was a bad moment. But he ended up being great because of it. So it's just mm-hmm. like how do you how do you sour on it that much? And then on, on top point. of that, it's just like I feel like with Jordan, I think. This documentary, when you were talking about uh, Manny, it was like it, it, he had to defend himself. I think it was just more of just saying like, I don't know if it was the defense. It was just like his philosophy. And just like, you know, Phil Jackson has his philosophy on things. And and I think it was just more about him saying like, can you get people in line when it ain't time to fuck around? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that was his mentality. Like, But his mentality was like, we never fucking around. 
Like I got all this shit <laughs> right. in But there's but there's other le- but like man, like how you were saying, like right. there's other ways of leadership. It's just that at the end of the day, like can you get people around when it ain't time to fuck around? And I mm-hmm. think most people are used to being around assholes like that because if it's never time to fuck around then we're always in line. It's like that line that says, you ain't never got to get ready if you stay ready. Stay ready. Yep. Stay nice. ready all the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think you're onto something there, Nick. I think, you know, when, to answer your question, Manny, about him tearing up, I thought that was very interesting because, you know, it, to me, it shows just how much he wanted to win. Like yeah. he was just driven by, Winning, And I think one of the things that we all could probably take from this documentary is that how much, yeah, he, he won, he had all of these accolades, but he really, really loved the game of basketball. Like his love is unparalleled for the game of basketball. And I think one of the things that I took away was, you know, he wanted people to love the game the way that he does. Well, that's part of the problem. One, we, we're on your team. We're not as good as you. So we can't do what it is you do. And we're not going to have the same love that you do, that you have. You know, we love the game. Yeah, we're here. You know, you couldn't be on that Bulls team and just be there along for the ride. He wasn't going to allow that because, and he knows that, yeah, every team is going to have one or two guys that's just there for the ride. And he's like, no, I I, I had blood, sweat, and tears. No, Randy Brown, you're not going to get on this team and just ride my coattail. You're going to have to bust your ass because we're going to depend on you at some point. We don't know when, but we're. Gonna, I need you to be ready. Scott Burrell, I need you to be ready. You didn't have to go against the Pistons in, in 88, 89, and 90 and, and take those L's like I did. And ultimately, he knew that when the Bulls won, he won. When the Bulls lost, he lost. So, nice. you know, it, I, I think more than anything, that, that moment of him tearing up, because he didn't tear up when he talked about his dad. Right. Him talking about winning made him that passionate where he had to tell him to stop recording. I, I think that's, I thought that that was a very key moment in the documentary. Mm, that's a good that's point. Damn, I didn't even think about that. point. You picked that up. Yeah. yeah. That's a good, yeah. And, and I mean, and it could be, it could be something as simple as, you know, he's processed his dad's death, um, which I thought was, I mean, like that time, man, was crazy. Um, just living through that time, man. It was because his dad literally disappeared for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And nobody yeah. could find it. and and where they actually found his body actually wasn't that far from where I grew up. So, you know, it was just um and it was it was it, and keep in mind the the when you're when we're watching a documentary, you're seeing Connie Chung, Tom Brokaw, you know, this Dan is national Rathers. news. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Dan Rather. This isn't just sports center. This this was the lead story on the national news, the six o'clock Every night, news. Yeah. So, yeah, every night. So it was it was bugged out, and you know when See, they found him dead and everything. They had the same coverage for when he uh, retired the first time. All those yeah. cameras. It was like, bro, this ain't Man, local, this ain't this is national. I, I was yeah. in college. I was in college when he retired the first time, and everything stopped. It did. I mean, like you can people. It was one of those moments where people could tell you where they were. I mean, like, Cass wasn't going to, me and Shelton was in school with you. Cass wasn't going to class. You know, everybody was around the TV. <laughs> everybody was around the TV. And it was just because he was walking away. And he never said, well, look, I, I'm I'm done. You know, my dad's dead. Right. All this stuff. And, you know, and that going back to what we talked about earlier about social media. The notion that his father's death had something to do with his gambling and all this stuff like that. 
social media would have, they would have crushed that. Like Jordan would have probably retired and never come back had he had gone through social media era. Yeah, I mean, like they I mean, they're running with it now. They're running with it now. And it's 20 yeah. years after the fact. I mean, you still see conspiracy it, 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 theorists out there. Yeah, it, well, it, it's it, those kids that killed his dad were just two kids that came up on a, on a guy sleeping in a Lexus. That's all it was. They were just two kids who, and I think they were like 18 and 19 at the time. And I think, I think one of them may be able to up up for parole next year. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they don't really get into it that much in the, in the documentary, rightfully so. But like, uh, you know, it's it was crazy, and I you you just you felt for him because you didn't. Ex- I mean, it was just something so random. I mean, it was just an old man in a nice car, and they spotted him, and and I don't even know. We knew very little about it. So we don't even know if he put up a fight for the car or if they ordered him out of the car and they shot him after he got out of the car. What, they didn't or have if to they shoot even him. knew who he was. If no, they, they clearly they clearly yeah. didn't know who they they admitted yeah. that they did not know who he was. They so, altered the history you know, is what they did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they yeah. didn't know who he was. He just happened to be, like I said, all, all, think about it like this. You're just going along and I don't to be honest, I, if I'm not mistaken, I I don't think James Jordan even stopped at a rest area. I think he literally was like on some some on the side of the road. road. Yeah, he was, just on the he, side of the road. He was he just, on the side of the road. And keep in mind, shit. this is the 90s. You could <laughs> literally just pull off on the side of the road and go to sleep and nobody would bother you, especially this part of, you know, South Carolina, North Carolina. You know, so um, it was crazy, man. It, it was crazy. And just to to see him go through all of that and, and to leave and then come back, you know, was was a lot. Think about yes. that four-month span, too, of, you know, going through the highs of highs of – or actually, the playoffs start – you know, the gambling, the playing the golf, you know, playing golf to staying up to Atlantic City in between game one and game two of the Eastern Conference Finals, the lows and the coverage of that, to the highs and the highs of winning a championship, a three-peat, the first three-peat since the Celtics, 20-something years after that, right? Then, you know, everything that goes with winning the championship, celebrating, then, a, you know, a couple weeks later, you know, your dad is dead, you know, missing, and then he ends up dead, then he retires. I mean, just think of that swing of emotion at that time frame. Where it's just like you're going through the highs of highs and the ultimate lows of lows, man. I mean, that just had to be, and that was the thing that conveyed the most for me was just like the, the the amount of pressure and the stress that this dude was under. I mean, and and the other thing about it is he was the first athlete that was really going through something like that at a national stage like that where everybody was watching, all the cameras were on him, CBS, NBC, nightly news, you know, Dan Rather. I mean, everybody's watching this man's life play out you know, at that level that I think that I just, think it, it took a real toll on him. I think it really took a toll. And, and I, and I always wondered like as a kid, like why did he retire the first time? I mean, obviously we all knew about the wanting to play baseball, the, the stress of his father dying, the stress of the gambling and stuff and all this stuff. But I, I never, it never really hit me to the documentary. Like, damn, this dude, I, I can imagine this dude was just like, just to the point where I was just like, I'm just over it. Like, fuck but that's because it. I just need to I walk think- away from it. Like, I think the new era of like mental health is like something that I think it's a lot. It's on a lot of people's minds now lately. Like you're just thinking you just broke down like mentally, like walking through his shoes, which makes it that um, commercial that he shouted. Like I, people wish they could be Michael Jordan. I want to know if they would do that if they lived my life in a day or some shit like that, whatever the quote was. Yeah. But it was just like, bro, like, like you said, in four months, I go from a super high to a super low, like, That'll break most people. Some people still processing losing their daddies and uh, on a natural death, let alone exactly. like 
him going a missing murder, yeah. and it's a murder now and now you you gotta end up playing a basketball game and that's why it was kind of fucked up to me at least was when Phil was like oh you're denying society a great gift but I understand it was like nigga fuck this game like I just lost my pops <laughs> in a in a right. gruesome way I gave the city three titles like what else do I gotta do to, to say like I'm good Right. And on top of that, and on top of that, you got people criticizing. And, 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 oh, no, what, what it is, Nick, at that point in time, even when Jordan's dad got killed, nobody thought that he was going to quit. You know, because if I'm not mistaken, like his contract wasn't up or anything like that. So it was the idea of him. I mean, that was like nobody thought nobody had those thoughts that he would even possibly remotely walk away from the game. And like you said, Manny, you go from I mean, just in that four month span, you go from the top of the world to the world being crushed and your best friend is gone. You know, and I mean like he didn't even it'd be different if his dad was old and he, you know, had some type of, you know, disease or something and he slowly wilted away or whatever and he got a chance to spend some time with his dad but I mean like he literally goes from talking to his dad one day on the phone and then never hearing from him again and getting a phone call saying hey we found your dad you know three weeks later in a, in a creek we found his body you know they found him they found the car I think like a week later but they couldn't find the body so once once they found the car it's almost like we all we all knew you know yeah. and you know there wasn't cell phones and all that stuff like that so it was it was a lot, and uh, you know, to his credit, he bounced back. And I will say this, even as a Jordan and a Bulls fan, I mean, at that time, if he doesn't retire, I don't know that they beat that they'll beat the Rockets, but that they'll make it to the finals again. He actually had to retire and take those lumps for him to come back and be a better player. Yes, he yeah. he had to reset. And one thing that he said that was that was like prophetic in that last one was he said the the first three championships was physical mm-hmm. and said the the second the second three peak was more his mind and yeah, i was, was like mental. yeah it was it was more mental and i was like dang that's really true like he killed you with athleticism and with his his grace and his gifts on the that first set but he did need to step away to reset so he could have the strength and the stamina to finish off strong and he did that and his game changed too. I mean, like, yes, yeah, yeah. Those, those that you go and watch those first three championships. There, he really wasn't shooting that fade like that. That that mm-hmm. that turnaround jumper, all of that stuff that we, all yeah. of that stuff that we saw later that we saw in Kobe, which was identical. You could tell that Kobe that Kobe spent like every Hours. day watching watching come fly with me, but mm-hmm. it was like he his that first title. I'd say probably from like 87 into that first title, he was Air Jordan. He was probably more ground Jordan on the on the the, the, the second second title run. Right. But you know, it was it was his mind. He was better defensively. He just he was just, just smart. as dominant. I mean, it's just very as much so. Just as dominant. Just it's as very lethal. Much so. Just as graceful. You know, what I mean, it just it just it, it really is amazing. I mean, he really had two careers. If you really think about it, he, he had yeah. and two really 
careers. You know, it's just, it's just, man. And, and, and Nick, you brought up something about the stress of going through everything that he was going through at that time. And then you think about everything that's being written in the media. Oh, he's a selfish teammate because he's gambling. Oh, he's this. Oh, he's in the mob. And, and, you know, John Gotti put a hit on his dad and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, oh, he's selfish and he's not supporting black Republic, you know, black politicians and, and, oh, did his dad get killed as a mob hit and blah, 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 blah. I mean, like all of these things are being said about you that anybody would just say, you know what, fuck it. I'm walking away. Like, you know, what's the, you know, you don't appreciate what I'm doing and what I'm, what I'm giving to the game and what I'm bringing to, to, to sports in general. I just lost my dad. I just won a championship. I lost my dad. And you're going to talk shit about me. And you're going to basically make this out to be some, some controversy, some, 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 you know, nefarious situation. It's just, it just, I think it all just kind of came to a head. Yes. In 93, man. Um, I think that's what it was. I think it really, really just came to, um, just came to a head. Um, let, let's move on a little bit. Um, so you watched the 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. Who do you guys blame for the breakup of the Bulls? Do you, do you blame someone in particular, or do you think it was it was bound to happen anyway? Bruh, 100%. Jerry Cross. I, I just can't see how it could be <clears throat> anything other than Jerry Cross. I mean, how could you tell that man that under no circumstances could he come back? <laughs> I, I think that that was totally selfish. Um, Jerry Reinsdorf, too, man, because if that's my team, I'm stepping in at that point. That's me saying, whoa, 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 bro, we win it. And, I, and even if he's saying we need to change some things so we can prepare for the future, you're you're winning in the present, and that's the key. I mean, I don't yeah, see but how to his, good. But to his, I he was the reason, obviously, why they broke up. But I think for what he, I, I think you got to give him. We don't remember him in basketball history like this, though. Like I think that's what another part of this documentary. Like you mean Jerry Krause? Yeah, like he was a okay. bro, he was. He built a dynasty, like one of the yeah. greatest dynasty in basketball history. Yeah, we look at Sports him like history. a villain, like a villain. Like well, well, wait, 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 wait one second, Nick. Let, let me let me be the elder statesman and remind you of something. The key piece of the dynasty he did not build was Michael Jordan. Jordan yes. was already Rod Thorne. Rod Thorne. Yeah, yeah. Rod Thorne. So, so you know, and that was so honestly the- when when Jordan when Jordan would ridicule Krause behind closed doors, he reminded I, I was here before you got here. Keep right. in mind, and, and if this isn't privilege, I don't know what is. Jerry Krause was a baseball scout. Yes. And became the general manager of the uh, Chicago Bulls. Now, if that ain't privilege, I don't know what is. No, but, I'm, um, not saying, I'm not saying that I'm not saying he deserves all the credit. I'm just saying he mm-hmm. deserves more credit oh, than what, than, in basketball history than what I have grown up to know. You know what I'm saying? I, I know of uh, of Jerry West. I know of, you know, all these, like even Dave Griffin, like, you know what I'm saying? I, I know of mm-hmm. these people, but Jerry Krause is like, brother, this is the guy behind, like, he drafted Scotty. Am I right? Like he yeah. drafted Scotty. Yeah. He, he, he traded, even though he traded Oakley, he got Horace. Like he got all these people, like he got Robin. He got, he, coach. Coach, like, he, he got all yep. these players that kept the machine going. Like when Jordan, as much as Jordan said, I was here before you, we remember what it was like before him. It was the cocaine 80s. That's what he talked about. Like, it wasn't shit. So it was just like, and that also fueled Jordan to be who he is. But at the same time, I love how this documentary showed that, like, a lot of people helped Jordan along the way. It wasn't that much because, obviously, he still had to do what he had to do. But they were able to lay the tracks for him to just keep this train going. Right. Well, the problem with that is, Nick, is that, and, and you're right. You're 100% right. Jerry Krause. 
you know, really deserves a lot of credit for what he did. And it's unfortunate because he passed away and, you know, he wasn't a favorite person of Jordan's. He wasn't a favorite person of Pippen's. So, you know, the earlier episodes, you know, they don't really show him in a positive light. And, uh, but I think part of the issue is that, you know, Jordan and Pippen and Phil Jackson, for that matter, what they had was, is that the Bulls team is the only team, only dynasty to be broken up by itself. Right. Like, the Celtics were beaten, the Lakers were beaten, the Warriors were beaten. Every dynasty ends with them being beaten. And this Bulls team was never beaten. They were destroyed from the top. Yes. And so Jordan is basically saying, like, look, we earned that right to, you know, for somebody to beat us. Who knows? If they come back in 99, if they get Scotty, and if, like Joe was saying, everybody's on a one-year deal, even if they did that one more time, maybe they don't get past the Pacers. Maybe they get past the Pacers and the Jazz beat them. I mean, but they earned that right to, you know, go back and compete for that one more title, if you will. Um but they just never got a chance. And that's the unfortunate thing. And I found it interesting was at the end of the documentary, rolling the credits, it says that the bulls began to rebuild after that. And what I said was my son, I said, and they've been rebuilding ever since. Ever since. Ever since. I mean, other than a couple of years with, no, they had D Rose. Rose. They had D Rose. Okay. And they ran into LeBron. Yes, but that, but that but have the Bulls been back to the Eastern Conference Finals since no. Jordan? Okay, have they no. been to the second? Have they been to the I Conference Finals? I mean, no. have they been past the second round? No. And see, that's I mean, the so thing. and see, for me, and the reason why I blame him so much, yeah, he helped to he contributed to get the Bulls teams to where they were. But once mm-hmm. again, even if Michael had left and you were planning to disband that team, who would you want to lead that team other than Phil Jackson? So my right. thing is that was just asinine and ridiculous to tell one of the greatest greatest coaches in history, I don't want you back, no matter but, what. I, but look at I, the ego of him. He had a huge ego. He had a probably, he had an ego almost as big as Michael Jordan to a certain extent, as far as like right. I built this oh. thing. I built right. this whole I mean, thing. But this you know, every Nick, move I, I made I think, paid off. I think for me, I and I'm a big fan of Phil's. I gained even more respect for Phil watching his documentary, just kind of looking at the shit he had to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. Still yeah. yeah. When they I mean, Robin comes to him, Robin comes <laughs> to him and says, well, hey, I need a vacation. I mean, Scotty's hurt. What do you mean you need a vacation? Right. <laughs> and so he, he wants to go to Vegas in the middle of the city. I mean, like having to deal with that, having to deal with Mike being an asshole at practice. Pippen was the guy who was, you know, Pippen had his indiscretions and, you know, sitting down in the 1.8 seconds. Uh, I mean, Phil deal with a lot. Yeah, people say, okay, well, yeah, I'd win 11 titles too if I had Jordan and Pippen and, and Shaq no, you and Kobe. You'll be fine. But, but, you know, dealt with a lot, man. And I think even like that story that Steve Kerr told at the end about what they had to do when they wrote down their thoughts on the season and putting it into the fire. I thought that was dope, man. That was like some yes. OG shit. I was yeah. like, wow, that's dope. I was like, man, that, that would have been great yeah, to be a part of. I think, uh, like I said, I, I gained a, I love Phil Jackson. I, I gained a newfound respect for him, just being able to balance all that. And I mean, like, it also says something to me when you start the season and your boss tells you, I don't care what you do, you ain't coming back. So, you know, your your time is limited. And Phil started off that season 
giving them their uh you know the the, the off-season workout and it was titled the last dance and that's you know how we got the name of this uh you know this, this documentary yeah, I think Phil Jackson was doing a lot of drugs back then. That's the only way he could. I, I can't fathom <laughs> a normal white man doing being insane. Man, man. man come on. Ganja. Man. <laughs> Especially because how calm he is. Like, I, I think the, those are the only few times I heard him yell and scream or even be like very. Yeah, yeah Phil ain't that type of guy. Yeah, like was, yeah. was dealing with them. Like, even during crunch time, it was great to see, like, okay, Phil Jackson can turn it on when he needs to. But um, but yeah, like Kyle, yeah, you're right. Phil Jackson, like, and then not not only is he leaving this, but he's entering L.A. a few years Shaq later. Shaq and Kobe, yeah. yeah Shaq and, Kobe. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, and so, they were two young budding stars. And I mean, like, and we saw what he did with them. And I mean, like, like I said, being able to balance all of that—that's a lot, man. Phil, Phil dealt with a lot, and I and I, you know, I like I said, hats off to him because I don't know, how, I don't know how he did. It. It's not as easy as people probably think. So, so Shelton, you blame Jerry Krause. Kyle, who do you blame? If you had to, if you had to, if you had to put money on somebody, who do you blame? Oh, definitely Krause. Definitely Krause. Krause and Andrew Ryan's Reinsdorf own some blame too because he's the only. Yes. Mm-hmm. What about what about you, Nick? Oh yeah, I think I, y'all like I said earlier, it's Krause for sure. But I was just saying, like the reason I was bringing up like his resume was just like he almost. It's not like he had the right to destroy it. But I can tell with a guy like an ego like that, because throughout the whole documentary, they tell you that he has a big ego. Like, he wanted to be like, I, I uh, started this and I ended this. Like, that, it's all me. And, and like, to Kyle's point, the Bulls ain't been right since. So say what you want about them, but j- your best days were with them. And you know what, Nick? The, the one thing that Jerry Krause wanted, he'll probably never get, and that's credit. Yes. Mm-hmm. He and he wanted the credit. I think one of the things Steve Kerr said early in the day, I think it was like in the first episode, he said that Jerry couldn't get out of he couldn't get out of his own way. Yes. And that says a, that says a lot about and he said Jerry had a hard time reading the room. So that tells me you're not a people person. You can't be a great GM if you're not a people person. Right. You know, anybody can can look at analytics and say, okay, well, hey, if we put this guy here, we do this and we do we do that. We can make it make it happen, but it's just, and it's unfortunate because again, Kraut isn't alive to defend himself. Right, and right. He comes off, a, you know, and but to Jordan's credit and and the the director's credit, most of what we hear from Kraut comes from his own mouth. So it's not like there are people on here just you know crapping on him. You're ba- we're basically made to, you know, get our own opinion of Jerry Kraut through his own words. And so it is what it is. Um, I burned Jerry Reinsdorf. That's the guy that I'm laying the blame on. Okay. I mean, okay. I, know could, I know you could. I know you could. I know you could take shots at at, at Krause, and you could take shots at Phil. A lot of people want to say Phil had something to do with it, because at the end of the day, Phil didn't want to come back. He he wanted a break. I get all that, but to me, Jerry Krause had a duty to keep that organization stable and afloat. And he failed at that. He failed at that. And it was, and it was years in the making. It wasn't just the summer of 97. I mean, that was years in the making from the Scotty Pippen contract, you know, to, you know, not, not putting a rein on, on, on Jerry Krause, you know, letting that situation fester and manifest itself so it got out of control. I mean, I blame Jerry, I blame Jerry Reinsdorf. He is the owner. He's the guy that's signing the checks. He needed to be the adult room. He needed to walk in there and say, look, Everybody needs to sit the fuck down and we need to work this out or I'm going to make some changes. Somebody's going to leave here. 
And it's easier to get rid of a, of a Jerry Krause than it is to get rid of a Michael Jordan. It's easier to get rid of a Jerry Krause than it is a Scottie Pippen or a Phil Jackson. I just think to me, Jerry Reinsdorf is the, the, the ultimate culprit here. Like, I, I, to me, it's a dereliction of duty that you let that team win three championships in a row, six championships in eight years. And what, it, within a blink of an eye, you break up that franchise, you break up that organization, you break up that team. I, I just, I will never get over that. Like, that is just, to me, that is that is ridiculous to me. When when Jerry Krause comes out and says, you can go 82-0 and and you're still not going to be the coach, you as Jerry Rizzo got to be, uh, uh, hey, Jerry, no, 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 no. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk this over. We're going to sit, you know, I could, why didn't Jerry Reinsdorf sit down in the summer of 97 and say, hey, Phil, what do you want? What, what, what can we do? We, we, we love you. You are as much a part of this franchise as anybody else, blah, blah, blah. We want you to be the coach of the Chicago Bulls forever. Here's a five-year deal. Name your price. Sign it right now. Why didn't Jerry Reinsdorf do that? You know, why didn't Jerry Reinsdorf say, you know what, Jerry, you need to cut this shit out or you're going to be out the door? You know what I'm saying? Like, why didn't Jerry Reinsdorf step in when there was a time and a place to be the adult in the room? Why didn't Jerry Reinsdorf do that? And again, the buck stops with him. We talked about leadership on this episode, right? Leadership is about being the adult in the room, being the CEO, being the man in charge and saying, no, we need to put a stop to this. We need to settle this down. We need to, we need to, we need to get everybody sitting there. And I think that's what was needed more than anything else. It's just sitting everybody down and just kind of working this out. And, and at the end of that meeting, if problems can't be worked out, if Kraus is still an idiot, then get rid of Kraus. But but to, to for me to for let this go on all year, let Kraus basically run unfiltered, you know. And I know why Jerry Reinsdorf did it because Jerry Reinsdorf was like, Jerry Reinsdorf was smart. He's like, oh, I'm gonna put all the blame on Jerry Kraus because it's easy to blame Jerry Kraus. Jerry Kraus has his own people issues anyway. So it's easy right. to just throw all the blame on him. And and Jerry Reinsdorf can sit there and be like, oh well, it wasn't me. You know, I wanted to keep the team. No, no, you didn't want to keep the team because if you wanted to keep the team, you would have offered Phil a contract way before June of 1998. If you wanted to keep the team, you would have, you would have talked to Jerry Krause and you would have said, you need to calm the fuck down or you need to get get out. You would have, you would have made that happen. You know, if Michael Jordan comes out and says, I'm, I want to come back, I want to play next year, I want to defend this championship, and the only coach I'll play for is Phil Jackson, you as, Jer- you as the owner of the Chicago Bulls, Jerry Reinsdorf, you have a duty to keep that franchise together. So to me, I think it's on Jerry Reinsdorf, man. I, I don't, I don't blame, and I don't even think it comes close. I, I don't, I, I blame Jerry Reinsdorf and Jerry Reinsdorf. That's just me. Yeah, I can, um, I can see that. That's and it's easy to blame Kraus. I mean, it's easy to blame Kraus because Kraus had his own issues. But to me, Reinsdorf let that shit happen for too long, bro. That's 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 the part that I don't like. But um, but I, so we're gonna wrap up here shortly. Um, just real quick. Um. What was your favorite uh, part of this whole documentary? Like, give me one scene, moment, whatever. That was your favorite part of this documentary. Ah, uh, man, that's that's great. I, I loved every episode, man. Probably, uh, if I had to pick one, it would probably be the one that's obviously one of the most important scenes was Game Six um, against Utah. Uh, that last, I mean, that entire game was like I, I don't. And I know that they're going to uh, re-air it, I think, uh, either tomorrow or maybe Saturday or something. I, you have to check your local listings. But um, what was very interesting was just the ebb and flow of that game. The Bulls kind of got off to it. You could tell they were a little nervous. But Scotty had hurt his back, I think, in like game five, taking a charge against Carl Malone. And so he goes up for a dunk early in the game and he comes down and you see it. He's just, his back's just stiffened up. And so Scotty is like, he's literally, I mean, like Scotty Pippen was literally just out there. 
And surprisingly enough, Utah never attacked him. I mean, Scotty literally was just limping the whole time. He, you go look at his box score. He had eight points. I think he had like four assists, three rebounds, something like that. But he was he was out there as a decoy. But just them, the Bulls played so much better just having him out there. But I mean, he literally was lim- limping up and down the court. And then obviously, you know, Jordan. I think Kukoc had like sixteen points. He was the only other person in double figures. And and Mike, you know, goes off for I think forty five. I think. But um, that last sequence, um, that was that was perfect, man. That him getting the two for one, the layup, which I thought he got fouled on the layup, you know, being able to come down on the defensive end, strip Carl Malone, get the ball. And what's always key that people really don't pay attention to is that, you know, Phil Jackson doesn't call a timeout there. He feels like, okay, well, we can get a shot off without having them reset or, or set up a defense. And then, of course, Jordan, you know, with the uh, shot over Russell and, you know, this game. So, yeah, that's that's probably my favorite moment. Just that sequence of game six. Well, game six, period. But the sequence of game six was dope. What about you, Nick? Favorite moment of this entire documentary? Uh, for me, it was when um, Gary Payton was talking about that <laughs> finals match with MJ. That was just, it was again about, like, I, I like how, man, you said, like, um, Jordan had two careers like he had he got the Air Jordan and you got like the I guess more of a serious tactician Jordan as far as he'll just break you down and I think that was the more mental side because you would think that like when Gary was like man we went up we won two games in a row you know what I'm saying if we would have done it my way we probably could have made some noise. And he was like, man, hell nah. Like, that series was over. <laughs> but the moment we we tipped off in game one, I was just in my yeah. head. like, And it's crazy. Like, Jordan can be in his head and lose two games. And then, like, once he gets it right back, oh, yeah, I'm going to close out this series. It's mm-hmm. just like, it was just, but it, but I, I love I love hearing GP talk shit. So I can hear him talk shit all day. But just to hear him say, him telling George Carlin to be like, uh, man, get the, shut the fuck up and let me do me. That was that was my favorite part of the doc. What about you, Shep? Mine is what we talked about earlier, the part where he broke down when he was explaining his passion behind why he did what he did and all that stuff. And the reason being is I I consider myself definitely a competitor. I'm one I'm a fierce competitor in life. And everything I do, I'm competitive like that too. I ain't to his level yet, though. I strive to be at that level. So watching him do that. Yeah, that's my part. I, cause I can relate, like I said a little bit, cause I, I take notes on everything, and I'm always shooting for whoever is above me at anything. Not hate at all, but just competitiveness and trying to be the best that I do, whatever I do. So I, I got that part. When he cried, I understood. I, I almost cried with him at that point, cause I understood so much. Yeah, I think for me would be that part for sure. Talking about his his leadership philosophy, the treatment of his teammates. I, I really enjoyed that part. I also enjoyed episodes one and two, just kind of the rise, the come up, um, you know, from from Wilmington all the way to going to North Carolina to the first couple of years in the NBA. Um, I love the story of how the, you know, basically the Jordans came to be, you know, all thanks, all praise to Mama Jordan. She was the one that, uh, that uh, they gave the shove to go see Phil Knight in, in Oregon, and and here we are. Um, <laughs> here we are. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I just enjoyed everything. If I had to pick one thing, um, definitely him talking about 
um, his father winning the Father's Day championship. Uh, that just it's just very emotional. Anyone who's lost their father, um, I, I think can relate to that. Um, so yeah, I, I, that was my favorite. That was my favorite part of the entire documentary. I, I, you know what that that always amazes me, man, because they got in the locker room like what happened you don't really see it in a documentary so i want to kind of give some context for those who listen that that weren't around when it happened but they win the game and okay they it's championship they win in chicago jordan gets the ball and because he snatched it while randy brown was trying to get a ball i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i mean he had no business around the ball Mm -hmm. so jordan and so as they're setting up to you know present the trophy or whatever like that Jordan goes into the locker room and he is on the floor bawling. I mean, like he, like he, you could hear when the cameraman goes in because, and like I said, I don't know how the cameraman got in there, but most people have only seen still shots, but I remember watching that live and he was, you could actually hear him crying. I mean, like he was, it was, it sounded like he was wailing and he was just on, because it was father's day, they won the title. You know, he had, he had, you know, obviously so many, so many emotions, and, you know, to your point, and he actually referenced it too, Nick. Uh, I'm going I'm to keep it real. The Bulls really should have swept the Sonics. If they had put Gary Payton on them, you know, the results probably would have still been the same. But they should, the Bulls clearly took their foot off the game. It was three blowouts. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I don't think that people really understand it. But, yeah, he, he that moment, man, it was, it was, it was, it was I mean, like, if you watched it live, you probably would have cried because it was just like, I mean, and it, it here was like, I remember watching it and then thinking about my father, my father's still here, you know, and it's like, it kind of tugs at your heart, but yeah, he was. And so he did that and, and he got himself together. And then by the time they did a couple of commercials or whatever like that, he was back on the podium and Ahmad Rashad pulled him to the side and he did a quick interview and he said, you know, like this one's for daddy. And he still was, he still was, cho- I mean, he was still not crying, you know, at that point. And it was weird, weird because we had never seen that side of Jordan before, but rightfully so. I mean, he was, he was very emotional. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey can I ask y'all a quick question? Go ahead. Who, who would y'all have wanted to see on the documentary that was not shown at all? Didn't get interviewed. Hmm, that's a good question. Oh, that's easy. Uh, that's easy. The great Luke Longley. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that uh, that they wanted to interview Luke, but Luke is like a basketball coach in Australia, and they said for budget concerns they couldn't. So basically, they didn't have the money to fly to Australia to go interview Luke as. But um, but you know, much props to the to the director, man. I mean, this documentary. I know a lot of people know that you know the first eight episodes were released uh, online, and because that's all that they had. When this start, when this aired five weeks ago, it wasn't done. They just finished editing it last Thursday. So you know, yeah, remember this wasn't supposed to come out till June, so exactly. they still had time. Exactly. They, didn't, they didn't think they would have to release it this early. But. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, Luke Longley is probably the only person I would have, because I think they got everybody. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of anybody. Me, well, for me, I, I would have wanted to hear from uh, Jordan's ex-wife. <laughs> as far as like dealing with it from that side, the family aspect, Nick. like you, like like Kyle said, Nick, Nick, <laughs> you trying to be petty? Let me let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me let you in a little secret, Nick. 
Jordan had to pay his ex-wife uh, like excess of $150 million in this settlement. She wasn't going nowhere near this. Right. Even if he had invited her, she wasn't going nowhere near this. I just wanted yeah. to hear, I just want to hear, I just want to see what she got to say. That's what, mm, this, supposed no. to be, this was supposed to be the uncut raw, you know Mm-mm. what I'm saying, of Michael Jordan. Who's more uncut and going to probably hurt? No, I'm with, I'm, I'm with you, Nick. Like I would have, I would have, I would have. I, I, I know, obviously, for obvious reasons, we weren't going to hear from her. But right. even his wife now, like maybe his wife now. Like I wanted yeah. to see, and, and it kind of leads. It segues into my next question of like, what do y'all wish y'all would have seen, or what was maybe not maybe not things that y'all didn't like, but maybe disappointed y'all about the documentary. Um, for me, I wanted to see more of Jordan's life, family life. Like I wanted to see more yeah. of his kids. I wanted to see his kids, like how they felt about all of this. I know they did a, I know they did an interview with Good Morning America. Um, that's really interesting. I, if you guys are listening, you want to go check it out. It's online. It's on YouTube. Um, the Jordan kids kind of talk about, you know, just kind of growing up with a famous father. But I would have wanted to see. I wanted to see more of that. Like I could, I, I probably would want to see like all three of the kids. I know the, the the twin girls. I believe are like four or five years old. So obviously they 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 don't have any frame of reference anything concerning this stuff. But you know, maybe just kind of see some footages of him at home, you know, being a dad, you know, kind of, again, we, we look at Jordan as kind of this mythical godlike fucking superhero to kind of see the human element of Jordan, like him being a dad, you know, him being around his wife, you know, j- just seeing that aspect of it, I thought would have been pretty interesting. So um, to answer your question, Shell, I mean, yeah, I would have liked to seen his wife probably get interviewed, his ex-wife. I mean, yeah, at the, it didn't, she didn't have to be in every episode, but just like a couple minutes, yeah, just her thoughts like, on... We get like a a cameo appearance from his sons and and his daughter like if you blink you miss that you they were in the dock they were talking about utah exactly and and it was just like (laughs) and i would always like to hear his sons like how did he like we hear about how jordan always tried to like do right by his dad like them trying basketball and like obviously not being Mm -hmm. like their father like i want to see how they were affected by it like was he the reason they go into basketball or did they have the love for the game or did he beat it out of him? Like, 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 I don't know. I'm just trying to, I just wanted, I wanted to get more of like, okay, we see the man on the court, but what's the man off the court? Because even though the right, documentary right. dealt with a lot of like off the court, quote unquote, situations, it was still dealing with like professional baskets. What is it like when he takes yeah. that home? Did he yeah. break down in front of his wife when his dad? That's the point, Nick. And I, that's where I started earlier when we started this conversation. Again, Jordan never, and I, like I said, I'm speaking from somebody who watched him his whole career. He never gave us this kind of access. Right. Ever. Like, you weren't, like, we just didn't know. And he wasn't going to let you get that close to him so you could know. So I'm not surprised that his kids, you know, was on screen for, you know, three seconds talking about right. the Utah Jazz. I'm not surprised by that at all. I'm not surprised that his ex-wife nor his current wife were interviewed. This Correct. was like you to your point, Nick. This was strictly about basketball and everything about basketball. Even the death of his father, it was correlated basketball. into him playing basketball. Right. So he, so Jordan, even as open as he appears on this documentary, he's still a very private person. Right. And it's certain things that he's not going to let you, let you in on, and he just not. I mean, like I said, they filmed this documentary in a house or in a couple of houses. And none of them were his. Right. <laughs> These weren't even his houses. So it, it was just, that's just who he is. I mean, he's going to, this this was his, and to my knowledge, Michael Jordan has never written a, uh, an autobiography. 
this mm-hmm. is sort of his autobiography, if you will. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's it's finally in his words, and, and we were privileged exactly. to get what we got. Um, exactly. We didn't very we much. Didn't, yeah. We, we definitely didn't get it all, but once again, I wouldn't expect it all from him. We got more. That's why this documentary was so important and so anticipated. That's why they pushed it way out to June, mm-hmm. and everybody was like, "Yeah, yeah." So early, you know, it was announced so early because finally unlimited access to the man that the myth, the legend. You know what I'm saying? So. It was important that we got that. I saw his daughter speaking about uh, their mom and saying, like, she lived through it, so she don't need to be, you know, she's fine with not being on this stuff. She didn't need to be in all that. She didn't want to. So you got a hundred million know. reasons not to be in <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. So I, don't know. I don't even know if they asked her to do it or not. But Probably. I don't know they didn't ask her. They didn't yeah, ask her. Come on, man. Yeah. I, 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 get, I get why he didn't involve his family. I'm not surprised. I'm just saying yeah, that you know what, man, I would have liked To be honest, to be honest, I've seen I've seen a lot from Juanita Jordan. I, I may have seen Juanita Jordan talk or heard her talk once, twice, <laughs> twice <laughs> in all the years that I remember. I don't even know what she sounds like. I don't even know what she sounds like. I don't know her voice. Like, you I don't won't. even know like what yeah. you won't. How you, you said you this? Won't. You heard Maggie Simpson talk more than her. <laughs> 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 I mean, so I'm, so I'm not surprised she didn't. You know, and to be honest. We had gotten through the first eight episodes, so I didn't even expect to see his kids on there. I didn't even, yeah. You know, so I was I was pleasantly surprised to see his kids on there. But I mean, you know, they and given the fact that, uh, and and I was that was one of the things that kind of stood out to me too about episodes nine and ten was knowing that it had not been totally completed. I was wondering, I was like, okay, I hope it doesn't feel like they're rushing this at the end. Yeah. And, you know, I, I thought they did a good job, man. I thought they did a really good job. But no, man, honestly, man, I, I can't think of anything that they didn't. Well, you know what? Let me ask y'all this, because I don't remember. And I, I maybe I have to go back and I got all the episodes. I'll go back and look. Did they ever talk about Rodman's suspension when he kicked that cameraman? No, they didn't. The, uh, not, not, really, not, really. not really. No, they okay. showed it, but they didn't talk about it. Okay. Yeah, because that came during the 70, 72 and 10 season. Yeah. and you know, it was even more pressure on Jordan because now Jordan's like, well, shit, how, how are we going to do this? How are we going to chase this record when Dennis is gone? Dennis was suspended for 10 games. Right. You know, so I, I, I couldn't remember if they talked about it or not, but I mean, there's so oh. many, many things going on and I know it's only been so much. They, talk about it on the, they talked about it on the Rodman documentary and it, it makes yeah. sense. It, that was his story. So they, they talked, they saved that for, for that. So I don't think they really needed to rehash that part. I mean, I, I, I get like, it. That. I do like the fact that uh, we got a chance to to get beyond the colored hair and the weirdness of Rodman and just understand what, what kind of player he was. I mean, he was a yeah. beast. And, you know, you could say what you want. And I think, you know, there were, like Shelton said earlier, there was some, some concerns for the Bulls when Rodman got there. But, you know, they knew if he showed up, he was going to play. Now, whatever he did after the game, right. he didn't really care. But, he um, clocked in, he clocked out. Exactly. He clocked yeah. in, he clocked out. Absolutely. And um, but I, I think I think uh I, I thought that was very, very good. And and you know, getting the background on, you know, guys like Steve Kerr, uh, I thought those I thought those those pieces were really even even Phil Jackson for that matter, too. Yeah, I thought they did a really good job of 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 explaining and seeing how all of those, you know things tied and and I found it interesting and like I said just a little small thing that I caught that 
Jordan never discussed his father with, you know, what happened with Steve Kerr's father. You know? Yeah. I thought that was interesting, given the fact that both of their fathers were murdered. Yeah. I was, That's you sad. know, who I, to, to answer my own question too, I'm going to tell y'all is I, I forgot to say, I wanted to see Craig Hodges on there. And the only reason, <laughs> y'all, y'all yeah. know I'm Craig Hodges. <laughs> I, I just wanted his take on, on everything and, and, you know, and how it correlates today. Yeah, it was more about, this was more like a Jordan thing, but Craig was there too. You know what I'm saying? And he was pushed mm-hmm. out. Not only was he pushed out, he's pushed out of the leagues. So yeah. I really would like to have heard hey, a little man, bit. You can't go to the White House with a dashiki on. Yeah, yeah. Right. So Thanks. I would like to have heard a little bit. Yeah, Craig Hodges is a good one. Um, it, it's, that's that's a good one. What about you? Uh, what about you, Sheldon? What about anything that you that you wanted to be discussed? I know you mentioned Craig Hodges, but anything else? Anything in particular that you feel they left out that they should have covered? What was anything that you you kind of disappointed about? No, I think I think they pretty much did everything in this particular documentary that I would have wanted. I, I mm-hmm. said on on uh, DES that I want to get more into that dream team, even though they did do a special on the dream team. I would love to just watch that whole practice live. Yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's what they did here. That's what they yeah, did. Man, yeah. just the practice, just the practice, bro. That was some some that was some true ball playing and tra- you talk about mm-hmm. trash talking. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> another, yeah. another one. Another one was when uh the Space Jam games when he was oh, yeah. Space Jam and how yeah. he brought all those. Yeah. Reggie, you know, Reggie Miller, we was didn't like, know bro. about that. We didn't know about that. Nick. We, yeah, we, we never we heard, heard that before. Right? We we oh. never knew about that. We never knew who showed up for that. So that was that was like something that we learned during the documentary. Right. Uh, yeah, I yeah, that's great. Right. I thought they I thought they did a, a pretty good job of trying to explain the whole Isaiah Jordan thing. I, I I was really surprised that kind of social media took off with it the way that it did. Um but I think the thing that came away that I, I took from all of that is that Jordan is a proud guy. Isaiah's a proud guy. You know, Isaiah's from Chicago. Jordan played in Chicago. And I think the whole walking off the court issue, I think the thing was, was that Jordan at the very least wanted to be acknowledged. He didn't need Isaiah to dap him up and say, Hey, we're going to eat lunch tomorrow, that type of stuff. But he wanted to be acknowledged and he felt like Isaiah and the Pistons stole that moment for him. Don't y'all, from him. Don't y'all feel like those dudes need to sit down on the table and just talk? I would love, like, man, that's what I was about to say. I, I just love that. Like, I would nah, just love nah, them to see that. Nah. Some, I, you know, some, I, I don't think they, I, but I, I never thought that they were that. I think, I think they always had a mutual respect for each other's games, yes. yeah, and I think that's where it ended. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's it, it was just there. It's, it's competitiveness. The fire, like I said, that's all watching this documentary, if nothing else, you saw that that man had fire in his eyes in certain parts. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I wish it was like that now, man. Yeah, you don't have players like that. Shelton, his eyes is yellow. He always got fired. It was. Hey, that's why the eyes was that yellow. I saw. But, you, but you're right, man. It, it's it's not like that anymore. And it's it's some. I mean, like, you know, I mean, you you said you would like to see Jordan and and, and Magic. I mean, um, Jordan and Isaiah sit down. Hell, we just saw Jordan. I mean, excuse me, Magic and Isaiah sit down. They were friends. Right, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like they had beef. Well, I don't want to say beef, but they they fell out of their friendship, and I think out, yeah. you know they had a falling out. So it was it, it was interesting, man. And I I just hope 
going forward, I know that there probably will be other documentaries. Um, I think the NBA did a great thing in one and having the bulls allow them to get this kind of foot because you don't get this kind of access to teams. You know what I'm saying? Um, First and foremost. And would I love to see a a documentary on the, the, the Kobe Shaq Lakers or the, the LeBron's calves or LeBron's heat or, you know, oh my goodness. Warriors. I would, love, I would love to see all of that, but I don't know that we're necessarily going to have the footage. And then also we live in an era where everything's kind of present. So how much of that can we watch and be like, Oh man, I've seen all of that. I know all of that. Yeah. yeah it, know, won't, it won't be, it won't be till it won't be till a decade plus after, especially like no, the LeBron no Warriors. No stuff. Like, yeah. That won't be till, that won't be till later on, but <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I'm not not mentioning it like I want them to make amends or anything. No, just I would just love to just see those two in a room together interact. Like I just think that'd be must see TV. Yeah, um, oh, no question. Before, Hold on, uh, I, before I got one, hit. I got one more Go um, right. part of the doc that I, they didn't explain well. I think that's the only gripe I got was Jordan's diet. Because how the hell you smoke cigars every day and then you drop sixty <laughs> on those damn stuff? Like he had, <laughs> hey, he had a bottle. Of, <laughs> He yeah, had a bottle man, of honey and a cigar at every, even at practice. That's just God giving. That's just God. Yeah. That, man, they that's said Jordan was a, when they said he was a freak of nature, he was a freak of nature. I mean, like, even the, if you, the part where they talk about the, um, the, the dream team, and he said, I played 36 holes a day. I'm like, who plays 36 holes of golf? And then go plays a basketball. That's, I mean, like, that's and these crazy. were the days before conditioning is, you know, it's not like it's, exactly. it's like how it is now with conditioning yeah. and, you know, muscle the milk and, you yeah. know, diet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like that, that's 1992. Like, that's, that's, impre- that's Hey, that's impressive, but y'all do know Bubba Chuck, Bubba Chuck would eat 20 tacos before every game, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, tacos, that's, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. But I feel like that's more like they they just said that like he probably ate twenty tacos one time like Jordan <laughs> Jordan smoked cigars every day so like you know smoke cigars like, but you, but you on know what game day and he lift weights cigarettes. lift weights game day that's crazy I mean like I can't imagine lifting weights and then going to play basketball yeah that's now that's crazy but they just yeah your legs got to be time though back in the yeah. day cigarettes and liquor at halftime yeah man. So that was yeah, possible. yeah, it's it's just it's just how athletes were built, man. Back then, man. Yeah, man. It's just, it is different, man. different, different now. It's just man, and I plus mean, it, what we know so much about, and what we know so much about the human body now compared mm-hmm. to even just 1992 is just different. You know what we know about. I mean, you know, back then, I mean, people were smoking was still something that was just like okay, like you and know, you can smoke on cigarettes, <laughs> exactly, right? So right. just look at how much the world has changed, even from just like you know just 20 years, 20 something, 25 years from now. Like just look at how much the world has changed. So yeah, it's, it's, it, you know, you pick up a good point though. It's like, it's, it's just, that's just God given, man. That's just God given talent. Yeah. Like that's just, God is, just, man. God just gave you this thing. <laughs> right. No, with it. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's all that was, man. Uh, I was going to ask before uh, Nick chimed in, um, does Scotty's reputation ever recover from this doc? Cause he, I think he took the biggest L out of all these um, guys. This I, the funny what, thing is, you know what it is, man. I think I think if if you like Scotty, you'll always like Scotty. Right. If you don't like Scotty, this you know, Scotty's Scotty's one of those people where you either like him or you don't. There's no, there's really you, you never think about it. When anytime you mention Scotty Pippen, you never hear anybody be like, ah, I'm okay on Scotty. No, nobody's they either love Scotty Pippen or they hate him. 
There's no in between. Right, so I don't I'm, think I'm neutral on Scotty. Like I, I'm very. You, you're I one of the few, Nick. I thought this. Well, my my thing was I thought this documentary was gonna make me fall in love with Scotty. Right. <laughs> and it and it kind of just I, it, it did a little bit of both. It made me love him and hate him. Like the first time, like seeing him without Jordan, how he led that team, I was like, oh, I fuck with this. And then how it ended, I was like, well, I don't fuck with that. As much. <laughs> and then it's just like, and then like him signing a uh what a seven year what five hundred thousand dollar contract like, it's just like, <laughs> like it was just like all right bro you wasn't even good on the back end like you're not even getting compensated so it, to me it was just like he solidified himself as probably the num- the greatest number two to a number one yeah. of all time yeah like that's yeah. all he really did like you're not gonna fall in love with him like this jordan doc made me fall in love with michael jordan on and off the court like with scott right. is like if it ain't on the court, then I don't really care about the court. Right. Scott, Scotty's going to get his flowers when he's gone, unfortunately. Um, I think that's the, you know, that's the time when he's going to be celebrated more than any other time. Um, once again, all this did was cast a bigger shadow over him and, and his accomplishments by just putting out this documentary because it was more about Michael than anybody else, and it just made Scotty more Tito than anybody than, <laughs> than Jermaine. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that's that's really all it did, man. Is is put more shadow on him. And, and to your point too, Nick, I think Scotty had an off season job, man. That that because that, that contract was good. <laughs> well, I mean, two point five. Well, listen, he was making two point five million. So two point five million in 1992 is like what? Like shit. Well, you know what? And, and inflation yeah, is like twenty million now. But you again, want the Chicago you to Chicago Bulls. You got to keep it in context, though, Nick. Scotty was making 2.5. Michael was making 4 million. Michael was making yeah. 30 million off the court. So there's a difference. Scott, Michael, Michael wasn't making Scottie that much more than Scotty. And, and this yeah. was and this was a time where in the NBA, we didn't have the contracts that we had. You could actually sign a 10-year deal. That's why we yeah. had those dynasties the way that we did, because you could have a Laker dynasty because pretty much you bring it back the same team every year. And no, and the one thing, and the one thing I learned, I learned that today because uh, Sam Smith was in an interview on Mad Dog Radio on on Sirius, mm-hmm. and I, I I listened to it and I learned this that per the collective per the CBA, you weren't allowed to renegotiate your contract back in the day. Like nope. you, so because I know a lot of people say like, oh, why didn't they just renegotiate or plan an extension? You weren't allowed to do that per the CBA. You signed it. You did. So I you, that was in. Yeah. But that's what my thing was just like I know he's not making money off the court. Usually, like certain athletes would be like. All right, I ain't making no bread off the court for me to take a pay cut or anything. So I need to get as much as I can from the game because that's all I really got. But that's why it, it shocked me because, like, like you don't hear about no shoe out there. I mean, there may be a shoe called the Pippins. Yeah, but it ain't, I know it, it yeah, ain't selling. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't selling for shit. So I know you got to be like, bro, this is my bread and butter. Let me make sure my business is uh, – <laughs> And I would think, and nah, I would the Pippins were nice. The Pippins, the Pippins was nice. They, I mean, he sold some shoes. Yeah, now. I mean, they, they were, I mean, they were. I mean, he he wasn't Jordan, of course, but you know, he, yeah. He had a but that's what I'm saying. Money. Like, I would think that you being next to Jordan would mean that you are you're getting some business tips, especially like how Kyle he did. Out. He, he did. I think I think the whole Scottie Pippen contract thing was a little overblown. First of all, I you think so, look at you gotta factor, you gotta factor in inflation. Two point five million in nineteen ninety two is not two point five million now. Two point five million in nineteen ninety two was a lot of money. I think it equal I think it's a lot of money back then, right? And and also, yeah, you gotta think about all the local endorsements he got, you know. Yeah. Come come down to Chevrolet, Nissan and 
all the local stuff he probably felt. I mean, so yeah, Scott, let, let's just put it this way. Scottie Pippen was not starving. Here, no. the thing. I know he ain't starving, but he didn't do all that to drive a rap for. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> I, I talked to a dude that played with the Packers, and he was saying he played back in the day when uh, Brett Favre was there. And he was saying, man, everybody see you as, as an athlete and think you just got all this money. He said, but it's what messes you up is and Kevin Hart said the same thing too. You know, you hang with people with more money than you, and you mm-hmm. do what they do, it'll mess you up. And that's kind of probably the position Scotty was in. Yeah, Scotty made, you know, less than Michael. Michael probably made 30 million more outside. But Scotty's hanging with Michael every day. So when Michael's spending, Scotty's spending. And before mm-hmm. you just think that 2.5 is like gone. <laughs> just that's think. Just think about this. Bismack Biombo got 60 mil. I hate this. From name. I forgot who. Charlotte. <laughs> I forgot who. Charlotte, Charlotte, right? Charlotte. Uh, he got 60 million from Charlotte. Timothy Mozgov got sixty-two million from the Lakers. Like, just just, just put that in perspective when you think yeah, about Scottie Pippen and his contract. Like, it's just Crazy. it's just it's just a different world, man. It's this is this a different yeah, world? It's man. Totally got, different world. Now now it's going the other way where you got guys like Tobias. Like Tobias Harris makes one hundred and eighty million dollars. Like Tobias oh, Harris. And, like and just, people, just came through at the wrong justi- time. Scottie Scott just wanted the wrong time. People mm-hmm. justified that Tobias Harris contract by saying, "Oh, they had to give somebody something. Like they had to." They had to give money to somebody since Jimmy left. I'm like, oh. nigga, give me $180 million. I'll right. throw some shots. I'll miss yeah. some shots when, I, when, when y'all looking for a clutch basket. I can do that. Yeah, he, it's, it's just, he don't even have a shoot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I feel y'all on yeah, that, man. I just, you know, I, I, I came I, away from it. I, I came away from it uh, not hating Scotty. I, I love Scotty, man. I, I think it's, you know, he, he will go down as, like you said, one of the best, probably the best number two and he's not Jordan. And even in, and they touched on it, even in the, the, the 94, 95 season, you know, the bulls were a bad, one bad call. Even at that series where he sat out that, you know, final mm-hmm. 1.8 seconds, the bulls yeah, were a bad call away from making it. To the finals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, it's, 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 the it's and Scotty was the, Scotty was an MVP conversation. He won the all-star game MVP. Uh, you know, he had one of his best years and the bulls played better as a team because, you know, Jordan wasn't there. But um, no, nah, I I love Scotty man. But like but that, you said, it's but that asking, but that asking out of that game is gonna be a black eye forever. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, because like like they said, you quit. Let's just and call the it fact that you know what got me. You know what got me though. It's like twenty something years later that you. St- oh, if I had to look back on it, I don't think I would change any of it. What? You, like you wait, know what? what? Like did you need to learn anything from that? Mm-hmm. That's that now. Now when you say where Pippen looked bad, I think that's where he really looked bad. Because yeah, he, he had a chance to to square everything up and be like, you know what? If I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have done it. Well, like he's that. saying that with twenty twenty hindsight because they won six rings regardless. So it's easy to be like, you know what? It didn't really yeah. matter. Like I'll do right. it again. Yeah. Like, it, it ain't changed shit. Like, I still won six rings. It didn't. But, it, but in in the public court of public opinion on Scotty, yes, Tippin, he looked horrible. Like, yes, he looked horrible. To, to, to Manny's point, people will still say that. The day that he retired from the NBA, that came up. I mean, but even, it is what it is. But even the even the even the, the injury the the injury to start the ninety seven ninety eight season, basically saying mm-hmm. I'm not gonna fuck up my summer. Like, just imagine if a motherfucker <laughs> said that now. Like, just Man. imagine. Like, Scotty basically was like, "Oh, fuck y'all niggas. I ain't. I'm I'm a I'm a chill all summer." Imagine right. him just sitting imagine. out. 
imagine him sitting out that last 1.8 seconds and then Kukoc hitting the game winning shot today. Man, man, man. I, I don't I don't think Scotty survives that in today's basketball. I don't know. I, I don't think social him. media is now. They would have him. Yeah, they would have had to trade him. Yeah, that, that, yeah. I, I don't think he survives that. You know, I don't I don't care. I don't care what Michael would have said or done, you know, to to save his to save him. Like I don't I just don't well, think yeah, he survives. Come on, Michael wasn't there. So it's like Michael was yeah, playing true. baseball. And that's one thing that I the documentary kind of reminded me that I totally forgotten. If there is no baseball strike. Maybe yeah. Jordan never comes back. I never really thought about it until they said it. I was like, damn. Because that's, that's a very baseball good point. goes on strike. And and, and I, honestly, I saw Jordan play baseball. I, I think he was he was just, I mean, like he did well for the time that he was there, but I don't think he would have ever made the major leagues. But no. Major League Baseball teams would have strung him along because he was box office for them. So yeah, yeah you could sell out those little Birmingham and and you know, even if you put him in triple A, he would have been he would have sold out everything and people would have come to see him, but I don't think he would have ever made a major league team. I think eventually, I think eventually he would have came back, but I don't think he would have came back as soon as he did. I, you know what, Manny? I don't think he would have come back. I really don't. I think he I think would so. have, I think he would have continued to play, particularly if he thought that he could make it to the majors. I think he would have continued to play and I don't think he would have ever seen basketball again. So, you know, we, we might have the major league baseball to thank for, you know, those other three, three rings. Yeah, that's that's true. That is a very good point, though. That's a very good point. And finally, um, what did this what did this documentary accomplish? Like, did it did it for for the folks that do you guys think it accomplished anything for the folks that think LeBron's the goat or don't think Jordan is the goat? Like, what ultimately did this documentary accomplish? Like, I guess what was the purpose of it? Do you, do you... I mean, if you look at the ESPN polls, they saying that Jordan is now officially the goat. Whether you from like. People who are 35 years and under and 35 and up, it's like skewing towards Jordan. Now, obviously, that may be because of recency bias, but I think that this documentary makes you realize it makes you compare like we always do even more. Because now you look at all the people that Jordan shut out. Like that goes back to my previous point that I made earlier. Like everybody is eating in LeBron's era. There's a mm-hmm. lot of niggas that did not eat in Jordan's era and they still hot about that. Charles Barkley, you know what I'm saying? Carl Malone, yep. Gary, you know, Gary Payton, even though Gary got his ring Patrick, later, he didn't get Patrick it. Ewing. Patrick Ewing. Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. Reggie like, Miller. There is a lot of niggas that was like, bro, he stopped me from doing, <laughs> reaching my highest potential. And I was one of them, Nick, like everybody who was talking shit about him or like congratulating him, whatever. These are Hall of Famers. These are legends in their own right. These are players that are going to get their own documentary one day. Like, right. And he stopped them. Like when we see LeBron's like documentary, there's gonna be a lot of happy faces from his <laughs> rivals. Like, you know, we, we knocked his ass out, boy. We was, we was lit that night. Like yeah. Steph Curry gonna say, like, yeah, we were smelling champagne. <laughs> like to this day, <laughs> you wrong for that, man. You wrong for that. I'm just saying, nigga, damn fool. Man. And, it's, and and you know what's crazy? Those names you mentioned and the difference in players now and, and back then. Back then, it was about winning. You wanted to win. It wasn't about mm-hmm. the. I mean, the money was important, but not nowhere near to the level it is now. Now it is more balanced as far as your outside interest and your finances and your portfolio and sports. Back then, it was like win or go home. That's it, and that's that was the biggest difference. You know I what think. it is back then? Not to, my bad. Man. Go ahead. No, go ahead. That was it. 
No, I was just gonna say, you know what it was back then? They were basketball players first. Now they're business play businessmen yeah. playing basketball. Yes, and that's the that's the biggest difference now. Um, and it just it, it and and I talked about it on one of the earlier episodes. I just feel like now I feel like back then basketball was the number one priority in the NBA, and 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 you did have some soap opera elements, obviously. But now I feel like the NBA, so much of the NBA has become soap opera. Like it feels like even the regular season don't really matter. It's just who's going to play where, what team's going to trade this guy, who's going to sign where. And like, I just feel like that's what's kind of taking me a little bit out of basketball now because it's just like it's too much of soap opera now. Well, back then it just felt like what the Lakers was going to do, what the Bulls were going to do, what, you know, it just, it was about what was on the court, not, you know, you know, is Clyde Drexler going to team up with with Charles Barkley in Phoenix? Like, what? No, like, yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. Be, uh, only because I'm thinking about like uh, LeBron and what with Delonte West and how they were talking about like him smashing his moms, and that's what messed them up. Like, it's like, hold on, bro, we really talking about this affecting this series right now? Like, you right about that. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. So uh I, I think is uh I'm sorry. Go ahead, no, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna ask you a question. I think it, it's you have to again go out and I keep hate I hate keep using the same word, it's context. Um there's a generation of people who, you know, all they knew was Jordan from his sneakers and a meme. That's all they knew. Yeah, that's true. And so, you know, for them, this was eye-opening, I, I think. Now, again, it goes back to context. You know, sports fans like who they like. I, I'm not here to convince somebody if they say, okay, well, LeBron's the best. He's LeBron's the GOAT. LeBron, I think, is going to go down with a 3-6 and six finals record. And, you know, and he may have all of these statistical categories when it's all said and done. Now, whether or not you want to name him the greatest of all time, you know that's up to you. I'm not. I'm not. It's all subjective. It's, it's all. It's it, all it subjective. Is. Man. There's no right or wrong I mean, answer. If somebody, if somebody wanted to sit here and say Kareem is the goat because of what he did in high school, what he did in college, and obviously what he did in the NBA, we could have a conversation. Bill Russell, we could have a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, Larry Bird and Magic, we could have a conversation. You know, Kobe, we could have a conversation. LeBron, we could have a conversation. Like. Honestly, there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, obviously, if you start naming somebody like, oh, I think Chris Paul's the greatest of all time. Of course, yeah. Like, what? No. Um, but, like, anybody in that top 10, top 15, I mean, you could you could honestly make an argument for it. You can make an argument for Jerry West. You can make an argument for Oscar Robertson. Like, if you if you, if you you were OG, if you were old head, and all you saw was Jerry West, like, you can... You, you can't tell that you can't tell that OG that Jerry West wasn't that dude, and he could he could probably sell you on like why Jerry West was the guy, and then you factor in everything that he did as a GM and as an executive. Like, I mean, you could. The point is that it's all subjective, and at the end of the day, there's no right or wrong answer. Of course, most people will say Jordan because of all the things that he accomplished and how he changed the game, but it, this isn't science, man. There's no there's no scientific fact that proves that Jordan is better than anybody else. It's just it just is what it is. Yeah, you're right. And, and I think it's people like who they like. You know, I, I was I remember uh, having a discussion maybe about a month or so ago and a guy was talking about LeBron. And I said, well, can you tell me when LeBron passed Kobe in your, in your opinion? Oh, well, LeBron was better than Kobe. I was like, well, tell me when he passed him. I was like, because you guys and the media and ESPN has always said, well, LeBron is this. And LeBron, and, I, and I said, I'm not taking anything away. I love LeBron. I love watching him play. I was like, but please tell me when he passed Kobe. 
Tell me when he passed Magic. Tell and the point about LeBron is LeBron is still currently going. He's still yeah, in his in his and era, it's, so it's hard to really grade it. To be honest, it's really not fair to LeBron. It's not fair to Kobe for them to be compared to this guy and Michael Jordan because of the era and what he had to do and, and how he went about it. Right. It's just it's different. I'm like you're better off comparing them to their you know adversaries and people that they competed against as opposed to someone who now now if you tell me LeBron is the best player that I've ever seen live, I can't argue with that because that's you weren't you may not have been around to see Jordan. Correct. You know, but I mean like that's why I could never say like Jordan was better than Will. I didn't see Will. My dad did. Now I when I asked my dad, I'm like, well dad, who do you think is better? Will or Jordan? And he might go on for Will for for 20 minutes and then I I'll go on about Jordan. So I mean it's like you said, man, it's subjective. I think this documentary did a great job of exposing what Jordan really was. But ultimately, and Shelton can attest to it, if you were there, this documentary makes it that much more special. Yes, it does. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And, and, yep. and, and it, it was, like I said, it was just a great thing to behold. It, it, it came at the perfect time. We all stuck in the house with this pandemic. That I was looking forward yeah, to every needed. Sunday. It was needed. It was needed. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, very much absolutely. So. Yeah. Well, all right, right, fellas. I don't know what's, I mean, y'all gonna y'all gonna watch the, the Lance doc? Uh no. I may check it out. Yeah. I may check it out. I mean, I check it out. There's nothing else to watch, yeah. I'll be watching. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 gonna be interesting. That, that last documentary is gonna be interesting. I hope it's accurate. Like I hope it's real. I never got like, into Lance. I never got into Lance. So I, I mean, I got into the cancer surviving and live strong stuff, and I think it's gonna be okay. interesting to see like that part of it, and like basically how he shammed the whole generation of people. Basically, essentially, uh, he was this like historical figure, and he was a cheater. So yeah, I'm, I, conflicted what, on, what I'm conflicted on. What about? I'm conflicted on that though, because he. He brought a lot of awareness and attention, a lot of money. Well, at least he I did. hope he did to he the did. cancer research and all that. And so, and we throw that all away because he did some steroids. Like, bro, we saw steroids did a lot for baseball, so we know what steroids can do for our industry. So that's why I was like, you know what? If he wanna, if he wanna be the one that falls on that, then that's cool. But I, I like that he stood for something, at least something positive. And what he did, I don't think was that heinous to erase all that. Well, it was Nick in the in the sense that he cheated the sport. I mean, this dude was so dominant that it, it if if it was closer, or if he only won a couple races, then it would it wouldn't be so bad. But the fact that he was so dominant in his time and he cost so much, it, it's just like if. But he had cancer too, right? So it's just like damn. Like, yeah, he survived yeah. cancer. He came. Yeah, back but, but out of everybody who takes steroids, I'm like, all right, bro, this nigga just just survived it. He just fought for his life. Like I, I get it, but still, it's, it, it, the rules are the rules, man. I mean, like I said, you took you took food out of somebody's mouth that way, and 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 you cheated somebody out of their championship. But it's just not right. I mean, see, that's I, what makes this that's that's what's going to make this last documentary interesting. Yeah, I think I, I think I, I think that's what's it. I think that's going to be because it's. I mean, you guys are not both of you both of y'all are not wrong. Like I think right. that's that's a. It's an interesting parallel. Like it's it's an interesting discussion. So I'm 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 actually interested in the next couple uh, docu series they got. They got the Bruce Lee one coming out. That's gonna be dope. Yeah. Um, 
the 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 home run chase in '98. I think that's gonna be really good. Interesting. Well, they got yeah, Sammy Sosa looking like Casper on that one, bro. Man, that was a red bone, man. We've already talked about another guy that's taking L's on the show. We, we're not we're not even gonna talk about Sammy, man. Sammy, uh, you said he looked like a red bone. Yeah, he a red bone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they got to look like. Crusty the Clown on there. I'm like, damn, you can't listen. Hey, have you guys seen the trailer? And I, I know it's out now. Have you seen the uh, the trailer for or, or seen the actual documentary? Oh, it's called Blackballed on the uh, Donald Sterling, um, him losing the team and what the Clippers went no. through. No. Nah. It, it just came out Monday, but it's on an app called, hang on a second, I can tell you what it is. It's on an app called Quibi, Q-U-I-B-I. Oh, yeah, I know yeah, that. Yeah, I've heard yeah. Of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I plan to check it out. But it's, it's supposed to be like five or six, uh, episodes or whatever like that, detailing the Donald Sterling and they talked to Chris Paul and Matt Barnes, all these guys that were with the Clippers. And I think that's very interesting because that Clipper team was the team that got beat by the Warriors. And the Warriors go one way and the Clippers go another way. And, you know, the rest is history. So yeah, I'm good looks, good looks yeah. on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to check that out. Um, uh, there's check another documentary to check out. Stefan Marbury's documentary about his life and, and his stuff. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime and all that. Like, if you got Prime. It's like, I think it's everywhere. It's on YouTube, too. Um, it's like one of those documentaries. You pay, I think it's like three bucks. You pay for it. You download it. It's on video on demand. But that's a good that's a good documentary, too. I, I, I started part of it. I haven't finished it. But that's a good one, too, if y'all looking for something to watch, man. Okay. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's I'm kind of sad, man. We ain't, we ain't got the last dance Sundays no more, man. But yeah, I am too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we go. But, but hopefully Lance and and Bruce Lee and all that keep us interested for the next next few weeks. But um, fellas, I think we got through it. I think we covered everything. Uh, that's it. Yeah, let's let's, let's get up out of here, man. Uh, before we go, each of you, please plug your podcast. What you guys got coming up? Uh, sell yourselves. Um, uh, I can go first. Um, you could catch me on Frames Per Second podcast, pretty much all over the Dead End, uh, Dead End Network. Uh, Frames Per Second. We just we like Kyle mentioned. We also are watching Insecure. We doing weekly recaps. So yeah, you can follow us on IG. And I need to get on the Insecure. I need to get on the Insecure recaps, man. Yeah, you slipping. You slipping. We we. Yeah. It's it's some great content. So follow us on IG, Twitter, FPS Podcast. We also have a Reddit thread, FPS Podcast, where we talk about everything, movie recommendations, and all that. Obviously, I'm on Dead End Sports. Uh, make sure you check us out. We recorded. We're back on schedule. Started next week, recording at nine o'clock. Um, YouTube Live, and then the podcast comes that following Thursday. And then you can also follow my podcast, No Disrespect, uh, at NDR513 on IG and Twitter. Cool. Cool, man. Hey, I'll go next. Um, this is me, Shelton J, man. I'm on the Black Korea podcast. Um, I think we're back airing. Um, I think ours comes out on Fridays, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> um, I have to go back and check and see what day it comes on. But anyway, the Black Korea podcast, um, I do dead in sports as well. Um, and wherever, all, all over the dead in network, if, if possible, wherever they let me come on. And that's where I try to be. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, We're going to follow you on Twitter too. Follow on, on the social. Shelton Jones, 33. On cool, Twitter, cool. Instagram, Facebook, everything. 33. Cause you're a Kareem fan. <laughs> no, 33 was yeah, actually, that was my brother's number. Oh, okay, okay. So that's where I got that from. 
What's up? Check, I thought check. I was gonna say he a Pat Ewing fan. He gotta be. And my, and my, son, too. And my son took the no, no, no. My son took the number two, so that's where it came from. Zo Lonzo at Charlotte. <laughs> All right, old man, your turn. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, of course, this is Twelve Kyle. You can catch uh, the Twelve Kyle podcast. A new podcast episode drops every Thursday. Um, you can find me on Twitter at 12 Kyle. The podcast can be found uh, anywhere where podcasts are free. Spotify, YouTube, not YouTube, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it. Uh, ChristianMingle.com, Black Planet. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you can find free podcasts, that's where I'm at. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and IG at the number one, two K-Y-L-E. Christian's Mangle, man. I didn't expect to hit that one on the MySpace. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about MySpace. I know we got in the MySpace. Oh, man. As always, man, you guys know where to find us on Twitter at AGS Pod, Instagram, AGS Podcast, Facebook, Any Given Sunday. Make sure you become a member of AGS Nation. Uh, follow me on Twitter at D Manuel Brown, uh, Instagram, D Manuel Brown, Facebook, Manuel Brown, Snapchat, Manny Bro 15. I'm everywhere, man. Uh, as always, thank you guys for listening. Thank you to my guests, fellas. I appreciate y'all so much for. for joining me uh it was a blast i had, I had so much fun talking chopping it up with y'all man uh thank you as always for being my guest thank you for being part of the dead end family uh appreciate y'all i respect y'all i love y'all i love what y'all do so keep it up keep the keep the keep the good work out there going and and uh, appreciate y'all joining the show and for you guys the listeners man i appreciate y'all for listening and supporting the podcast as these guys can attest without the listeners without the fans without the audience there is no podcast so appreciate y'all each and every week for listening supporting subscribing uh make sure you guys support all of the dead end network podcast black career frames per second dead end dead end sports dead end hip-hop uh is is the mic still on everything go check it out go check out our website it's, it's dope man we, we brand is really brolic so check it out um but yeah man i'm gonna stop i'm gonna stop blabbing let me get up out of here uh make sure you catch us next week on another episode of the podcast i think we're going to be back on schedule next week as, as far as recording on sundays but we'll see i'll see how i feel like but um if anything i'll let y'all know on the on uh twitter and whatnot with with uh with the next episode coming up but um for my guest shelton J, nick 12 kyle i'm manny brown we are out of here peace everybody Bye.